Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ, and with me, and as always, is our NHL analyst and expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, grumpy. Um, I guess uh, some Islanders knew. Oh, I'm sorry. You got something to say. Go ahead, Grump. I want to stop you because last time you were supposed to read an ad and you wound up doing it 400 hours into the episode. So I don't know if you're supposed to read an ad right now. But if you are, I'm giving you the opportunity. Well, I'm glad I'm glad you have reminded me, Grump, because I actually had totally forgotten the game. We do have an ad to read here from DraftKings saying the 55th Super Bowl is this weekend, 55. And the game, uh, and a game this big deserves a big prize, not just some trophy. And DraftKings, the official daily fantasy sports partner of Super Bowl 55, has up to $55 million in total prizes up for grabs with their Super Bowl p- prediction pool. How's the, how big how bad how big is that grumpy old man? Um, all you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you will get an instant free prize for twenty five up to twenty five thousand dollars. And if you have most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of up to one million dollars. Download the app now and enter the free prediction challenge. Answer questions like who will score last, and boom, you're ready to make it rain. DraftKings has paid out over $7 billion to its players since 2012, so they know a thing or two about big paydays. Download the DraftKings app now and use the promo code THPN to enter for free uh, $55 million Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize up to $25,000 just for playing. So use the promo code THPN now in order to enter the uh, free $55 million Super Bowl challenge. Only DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions and eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Thank you, Grumpy. I would have forgotten the ad read, I'm sure, again, as usual. <laughs> well, that's why I'm here. I'm always here. I got my bucket out to bail you out when you keep on screwing up. Don't worry. <laughs> and you say it and you say it in such an endearing way there, Grumpy. I'm here for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, since the last, I guess our last live stream was Saturday, grumpy old man. That was, oof, that was post, that was post Flyers game. Um, it was a different atmosphere for you and I. It's our first time we ever did like a post game reaction, grumpy. I was feeling you out a little bit. I didn't know what to expect from the grumpy old man post game, to be honest. I'm just, I was just so dejected. I, I mean, I, there's so many things that, we need to do better. I'm just I'm worried about where the team's at right now. I am. So I was a little bit down, uh, not really angry, just kind of just where are we going? You know, a little introspective. <laughs> taking it taking a second to digest. Um, and since the live stream, grumpy old man, the uh, the Islanders played the Philadelphia Flyers again, uh, lost in overtime again. again. Not, yeah, I was about to say again. Not ideal. Um, I, I thought Sorokin looked great. Uh, I, again, there are positives that we can take from these uh, isolated incidents that have brought us all, I guess, a little bit of um, unfortunate luck as of recent, Grumpy. But I can tell you one thing, man. Oh man, Sorokin made some acrobatic, outstanding saves that game. Yeah, uh, you can tell he's got ability. He doesn't look real big in net, though. I don't know what it is. You look at some guys, and I mean, he's six foot three. I mean, when I look at him, like, what is he like, five eleven? I'm just, I don't know. It just seems like he's not big in net. I, I, I mean, he's skinny. I saw him do an interview, post game interview, 
uh, one game. And I'm like, oh my gosh, he's so skinny. But you see some of these other goalies, like they take up the whole net. And he just, it just looks like there's spots open on net for him all the time. But he is incredibly athletic in goal, without a doubt. He made a couple of saves that were just spectacular in that game. Well, I'll tell you this much. That's one thing always with goalies. I mean, there's there's a lot of goalies that you think would be, hey, you know, I mean, they're wearing a big pad. You always think they're going to be relatively large. And they're just always skinny as a rail. You know, I don't think his pads are real big. Maybe, maybe that's what it is. He just doesn't seem like he takes up. It just – I'm looking like, ooh, look at those spots that you could pick on him. I mean, I think he's still getting used to the North American game. Um, but there's no denying he has talent without a doubt. Yeah, Grumpy. And, again, I, I we're trying to look at a few of the positives. I thought that was definitely a positive, though. Um, and it's no uh, – I guess you could say it's, a, it's not a mystery. The Islanders had – or they got their games postponed – against the Buffalo Sabres here. They were supposed to play yesterday, Tuesday, and then they were supposed to play tomorrow on Thursday there against the Buffalo Sabres. Those games were postponed there due to COVID protocol. Um, Islanders have not had any members of their team test positive yet or been placed there on a COVID protocol list, so that is always good. As of right now, the next scheduled game is supposed to be Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, and uh, Buffalo hasn't had any people who've tested positive. I mean, my, my thing is... Buffalo played Jersey before us and they had positive tests on the team. And they went through with that game. So, I mean, I'm just like, why did you go through with that game? And now there's no positive tests and you're canceling games, which honestly hurts our team and Buffalo because now we're going to have to jam those games in somewhere. But I mean, you know, uh, I'm just kind of confused why they didn't cancel the Buffalo devils game, which would have enabled Buffalo to play two games against the Islanders this week. I'm just, I'm just, I think the NHL kind of needs to answer for that in some way, shape, or form. I was about to say, and again, I, I don't know too much about the COVID protocol. I will tell you one thing, me, uh, unknowledgeable on it. I would think if somebody tested positive there for COVID, you would probably go ahead and have some sort of action saying, Hey, we're not going to play that game or it's going to be postponed there. We're going to go ahead and, you know, uh, throw it later on in the season. They didn't. Yeah. So that definitely left me scratching my head. Also grumpy old man um, to also address it. I think this is, this is very opportune for the Islanders. Again, start off the season. We are three, four and two, not off to a great start. Um, and I don't, I don't think this could have come at a more perfect time for the Islanders. Well, we certainly need to regroup. I, I didn't, here's the thing. I thought we played better than the Flyers. Um, both games, honestly, if you if you take it in totality, uh, I I mean the difference. I think the difference we saw us and the Flyers are, you know, they have a guy. You got Faraby. He's a sniper, right? He gets a he gets a shot. He puts it in net. Our guys, you got Clutterbuck. You got Bailey. You have Del Cole. You know they have wide open shots and they either bury it right in a guy's chest or they bang it off the pipe. I mean that's the difference between having guys who are you know true goal scorers. And guys who are, you know, third and fourth liners, which is what we are. Okay. Well, I will tell you this much, Grumpy. I mean, Jill Faraby had an outstanding game. He had a hat trick. <laughs> and, you know, you just kind of left there thinking to yourself, I'm like, oh, yeah, Jill Faraby. He was the same exact draft class there as Oliver Wallstrom. So you hope, obviously, Wallstrom continues to improve there. Uh, he was actually substituted. I, I guess you could say he was benched. Um, and so was Kiefer Bellows in that uh, second game against the Philadelphia Flyers. Maybe it was because it was in a back-to-back setting. They they felt more comfortable rolling out their um, 
with Sarnak, Michael Del Cole, and Timisov. So they went ahead and removed Leo Komarov, Kiefer Bellows, and Oliver Wallstrom there from the lineup for that second half of, uh, or from the back to back, the second half of the back to back game against the Flyers. I don't understand it. I, I just, it, it just, it just defies all logic. They had a really good game the first time they were together the night before. Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm flabbergasted, honestly, why he's benching the younger players to just add more just bottom-line guys. I mean, Timoshev was invisible. Michael Del Cole is what he is. I was impressed with Jarnak, and he's a guy that, uh, you know, I thought showed very well against the Flyers. To me, if you want to make a point, you bench the fourth line, which has been bad all year. I mean, you're not going to bench the second line guys who's also been bad. But I mean, the fourth line's been invisible this year. You put the if you want to send a message, you bench those fourth liners, guys making almost $10 million a year against the cap, and you put those young guys, well, young guys, you put those guys in as a fourth line, as an energy line. And this way you kind of know what they're doing. Timoshov does not belong up here. Uh he was just he was just a passenger all night. I, I was not impressed with him at all. But I thought John Eck was good and Michael Del Cole, you know. You know what you're getting. Jarnak was the one guy who I thought could play at the NHL level. The other two guys, no. Yeah, grumpy old man. I, I was a little baffled also by the um, the removal there of, of Bellows and Wallstrom there from the lineup. I thought they came came off of probably the best game they had played so far in this young season. I thought it was the second game they were together there as a line. Or maybe it was the first game they were together as a line because the, day before, the game before, Bellows played on the second line. I thought Zarnak looked pretty good too, a uh, grumpy old man. I will I will tell you this much. I was happy Leo Komarov was benched. I mean, like I, we've seen enough of Leo. Uh, Uncle mean, Leo should not have a spot any longer on this on this team. You know, Trotz makes some of those baffling comments that it just makes me want to pull my hair out of my head, honestly. You know, he's like, well, the young guys played well, but uh, you know, the older guys, you know, we you know what you get from them. Uh, so they have more leash and more rope. I mean, let's be honest. Leo Komarov was – he's been – every three games he's played, and he's been bad for all three games. He he cost them one of the games. Uh, I just think he's been undisciplined. He's been two steps too slow. Uh, just I'm just not a believer in what he's doing out there right now. It's just frustrating, honestly. Yeah, Grumpy. I was about to say, I kind of echo that. and. I think we should – hopefully, ideally, we don't see any more of Leo Komarov. I, again, you know exactly what you have with both him and Michael Del Cole. I was impressed with Zarnak. I want to see more of him. And, and during this situation, I know there is some positive news also. Uh, Anthony Bavilia, he got off to a little bit of a slow start here to start the season. But he was back out there skating yesterday, not with the normal team, not with the team. He was skating, like I believe, in a separate session. But he was out there skating again, which is always reassuring. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we obviously need him back. I mean, even though he's been no-show the whole year, too. I just want to say one, a couple of things about Jarnak, though, before uh, before we, we go on to something else. He was really good. I, I don't know how he got – what does it say about our team when you have a guy who's really, for the most part, a bottom-line player, he comes in and he's getting first-line power play minutes? What does it, what does it say about uh, the talent level on our team? That I could not agree more with Grumpy. I'm glad you brought that up. I had forgotten. It felt like that's uh, that uh, Sunday game was forever ago. Now we're Wednesday, um, but that's right. He gets integrated up into the lineup, and day one, he's on, on the, the first power play unit. On the first power. Now that said, 
he came back and made a nice defensive play uh, on a two-on-one coming back the other way. Noah Dobson was back, um, but that could have led to a goal. Uh, I mean, it was a great hustle play. I like him. I think he's done a really good job so far. So, I, like I said, it's only been one game, but he's the one guy uh, who they brought up last that I thought was anything. I mean, I would certainly stick with the young guys. Yeah, Grumpy. Again, I – I think they have to go ahead and establish a little bit of continuity there on the third line. And and that's the thing, right? Barry Trotz came out there and also said that in a recent interview, grumpy old man, that that's what he's looking to go ahead and do here coming up. He needs to establish a little bit of consistency amongst the line. And playing this carousel game to where you have multiple different line mates for Jean-Gabriel Pajot, I'm sure it frustrates him. And it also, it's really, really tough to build continuity when you're just getting continually shuffled different line mates. Yeah. No doubt. I just, to me, you have two young players who showed something together and you let them play one game together and then you take them out of the lineup again. I I don't understand it. I mean, I just look at some of the other teams. You look at Boston. You look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia is able to get uh, Farabee a regular shift on there. I mean, and you could say Philadelphia's a better team than we are, right, at least on paper. And they got Nick Frost. He's another guy who plays Buku minutes for them. I mean, those are two young guys, 20, 21 years old, who they've been able to incorporate them in the lineup. And you look at Boston, right? They have uh, Travis Frederick and um, uh, who's the other guy? I wrote his name down, Jack Studnicka. I mean, they're another guy, 22, 21 years old. These guys, uh, Frederick went out there against Washington. They were getting beat by Washington. He went out there, and he's only six foot tall, I believe, and 210 pounds. He went out there, and he challenged Tom Wilson to a fight. And you know what? We need more of that on this team. I mean, isn't that what Matt Martin, the $6 million man, is supposed to do when things are going bad? I mean, like I said, I just think that line, that that third line, that fourth line is done. I mean, we need fresh blood. I just wonder how these other teams – Boston is certainly a better team than we are, absolutely. And somehow they're able to incorporate young players into their lineup, and we're not able to. I just want to know why. And if you say, well, we don't have the talent, well, that's fine. Then guess what? The scouting staff should be fired. Or whoever Lamarillo decides to draft because we want to fill our team with third and fourth liners opposed to skill players, maybe that's a, maybe that's a problem also. But, I mean, when I see teams that are better than us, able to get younger guys in the lineup, but we're not, in, I just have to ask a question. Well, well Grump, I, w- I want to stop you, Grumpy. You get on roll. I want to stop you, though. You talked about being able to integrate some of the young players. I, I know this is an easy this is an easy pop for me, grumpy old man. Did you happen to see who played last night for the Los Angeles Kings? Yes, I did. <laughs> Go Callie ahead. Have, Take it Callie. away. Take it away. I yeah. know you're talking about. Yeah, Callie have got out there on the ice, scored his first goal there. And I know grumpy old man, I'm shocked you didn't I know you had to just been waiting to bring it up. I just figured I'd introduce it so it make make it look like you were continually just waiting to bring up and continue to, to put salt in the wound. Yeah, but Kaliev was out there on the ice. He scored his first goal. Um, and I don't know, that was the same exact draft class there, Simon Holmstrom, Grumpy. So, again, eventually we will stop beating that dead horse. But, uh, Not me. I'm going to hammer that horse because it's a, it was a mistake then. It's a mistake. It was a, a mistake two years ago. It's a mistake now. It's going to be a mistake two years from now because Casper – He's underwhelming. What does the team need? I, it's so it's so interesting. I was watching something. I just happened to pop up something on YouTube talking about Mike Bossy and how when the Islanders drafted him, as everybody knows, uh, you know, 
not a great defensive player, but boy, could he score. And Dennis Potvin said, you know, they were a good team before Bossy got there, but, you know, they stay really good defensively, um, but couldn't put the puck in the net. They really struggled with that. Does that sound familiar? I don't know. It does to me. And, you know, they drafted a guy who could play, and Arbor famously said, you know what, I can teach a guy to play defense. You can't teach guys to score goals. Yeah. And when and when Poffin, legendary Islander, Hall of Famer, one of the top five defensemen, all-around defensemen all time, says that, you know what, that goal scorer turned us around, maybe we should look at goal scorers in the draft. I mean, I'm just spitballing here, but maybe it's something we should consider. All righty, Grumpy. He hit it. For everybody at home who's got their bingo card out there, you can go ahead and mark that one off. Grumpy, I do want to get to a few comments here. Uh, Will saying, hopefully these postponed games will give us some time to recharge. I was about to say, we talked about earlier, there is not a better time for the Islanders to have this, uh, I guess, this little extended break. I mean, they have to come out Saturday against the Pittsburgh Penguins, and I mean, they have to be firing on all cylinders. And... Before I allow you to respond to that, Grumpy, somebody mentioned something interesting. Uh, Brush uh, Kingston, I was listening to this, and I've listened to a few other people talk about this too. Looks like the energy's not in it. Looks like the Islanders just aren't bought in the same way they have been in the past. And I wonder, and I've been thinking a little bit, Grumpy, as to what what those reasons might be. But I want to ask, have you noticed the same thing? Well, first I want to respond to Will's comment. Thank you for taking it down so I couldn't read it now. That's Here you go, Grumpy. Here you go, Grumpy. I'll bring um, it back up for you. My question is, if you need to recharge after nine games, you're in trouble. Um, I mean, I don't know if recharge is the word I'd use. Maybe regroup uh, would be a better word. Uh, but I, And now answer the second question. Uh, but it does come at a good time for us, yes. Um, in response to your other question, what was your other question? I'm totally lost. I'm oh, great, Grump. I'll give it to you. I was asking uh, if you think the Islanders have looked disinterested so far this season. And I, I've, I've heard it from a few people. And, again, I think necessarily that at the beginning of the year. But then I was like, okay, maybe I will – you know, I'll entertain a thought. And, you know, I've had, I've got a few ideas on it, Grumpy. I was just wondering if you thought had they been a little disinterested. I don't know if they're disinterested. Um, you know, I always worry when coaches come out with the excuse train – like Barry Trotz did, uh, you know, I, I, I it, it bothers me, especially you know when everything's about accountability and all that stuff, and then you come out Trotz's comments where the road trip seems so long, you know, uh, you know you have to spend so much time in a hotel, you can't go out and do things. Well, I hate to tell you something, Barry, it's the same for every team, so this is not anything special. I mean, your guys should know about that when they were in the bubble, it was the same thing, and they were fine enough then. I, my concern is that we're just some of our players who are older, maybe you're on the downside now, and maybe it's not lack of interest. Maybe it's the fact that they're just slowing down a little bit because, you, you know, you get into your 30s and you're just not as productive. And you see NHL careers, once guys hit 31, 32, especially non-elite players, they spiral down and they lose it quick. It's, it's a young man's game. It just really is. That's my concern. Is it the fact that we're an older team and we can't keep up with the hectic schedule that we have? Hmm. I'm not sure, Grump. I was thinking I, – I didn't have that thought. I mean, like that's been an overarching thought. I think long-term that's going to be detrimental to the Islanders' success. Um, that's not something short-term I was looking at. Short-term, I was thinking about it like this. I know we were on a road stand. But I wonder how much the no longer playing in front of fans – 
may have affected the Islanders. And again, this is this is a long thought, Grump. You're gonna have to hear me out on this. I know during the bubble, we did. I have something to drink, so take your time. <laughs> well, I know during the bubble, Grumpy old man, we. I mean, like it was a different atmosphere. Obviously, we're playing for the Stanley Cup. It's easy to be motivated, especially when you're in the playoffs and you could see what our tangible goal is. It's only right here. You know what I mean? Every single series, you had to win to move on. So every single game really was important and mattered. Now I feel maybe, maybe, maybe some of these older guys on the team would rather not be playing this year, Grumpy. And again, like this is not thoughts that I've I've heard a few people mentioning this. Again, I'm not saying the entire team is disinterested. I'm just saying, you know, we don't have Fort Never Lose. We're no longer in the Coliseum. You don't have the crazy fans. And it's easy, right? When you're when you're slipping and sliding or you feel like you're losing a little momentum, going to the Coliseum and playing in front of the crazy Islander fans, I feel like has to just go ahead and re-energize you. I really do. And I'm wondering if some of that not seeing the fans, not seeing the people who are cheering and rooting you on, seeing the people that cheer and root for you, every single game, watch every single game, having them say, you can do it, and things like that. I wonder if that's affected the Islanders a little bit. Well, I, I will say there's some validity to one of the things you said about being in the bubble. You knew that it was going to be, you know, 16 games to a championship, right? Uh, 16 wins to a championship. So maybe you could see the light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. But you're looking here, you're talking about by the time that the uh, – playoffs are over, you're looking at 80 games probably for the team that wins the whole thing. It won't be the Islanders, but whoever does, you're probably looking at 80 games, right? And it's it maybe it takes a little bit more out of them. I mean, like I said, a lot of these are older players. Maybe they don't uh, – you know, I don't know. I, I You know, it's hard, it's hard to put my finger on it, honestly. Um, but once again, when you don't have high-end talent and you don't have – and I'm not saying we don't have full buy-in, but – if some little things go wrong, you don't have someone who can save the day. We have one guy who can save the day, but he's only one guy, and he's getting I, a lot of critic and he's getting a lot of criticism right now. We'll we'll talk about that too. I will say this much, Grumpy. Um, you talk about the buy-in. I think there's buy-in, but again, like for the Islanders and for this team, this is a team that has to do everything well, and they have to be so nuanced in order to be successful. They can't have any type of mental lapses, and what we're seeing here is these mental lapses, they're leading directly to goals for other teams. And again, like when you don't have the ability to execute on another team's mental lapse just because you're not as, I guess you could say, I'm using air quotes for people who are listening to the podcast and post who are as skilled offensively, it makes it tough. Um, buying was the wrong word. You, you hit it on the hell. You hit it right on the head, the nail on the head. Um, it's, you know, little mistakes. We can't make mistakes if we're going to win games. We, uh, the margin of victory for us is so slim that we turn the puck over. Like, uh, you know, it, it's just crazy. The official makes a bad call against Philadelphia on that offsides. I thought, you know, that led, I think it was the first goal of the game. Oh, you talk, you talk, not an offsides. It was an icing call. Uh, icing, was, that's right. I'm sorry. On the icing call. What I thought it was definitely icing and he doesn't blow. The, I mean, I, I'm just, ba I was baffled by that. I'm like, why not? And then Brock Nelson just kind of dumps the puck right in the center of the ice, right to Farabee, snapshot goal. And it's like, where? I mean, okay, when you're in mites, what do you – you always tell the kid, don't throw the puck in the center of the – my wife knows that, and she's no hockey fan. She's like, why is he throwing the puck in the center of the ice? Everybody knows you don't do it. You push it up along the boards. He dumps it right in the center of the ice, wide open, Farabee, snapshot goal. It's like I, I, I'm – 
I'm flabbergasted. What he's doing? He's been bad this season. I mean, for as good as he's been the first two years under Trotz, he's been bad this off season. He seems like he's on he's on the ice for every goal, every bad goal that we give up. I mean, the overtime loser was because he wasn't marking his man. It was a power play four on three. I'm like, okay, let's just get to shootout. Maybe we'll get lucky. And he goes, you have a guy who's coming down this uh, down the side. You have Mayfield picking him up. He's got a bad angle. Nelson leaves his man in front of the slot and goes after the same guy. He's wide he's, open. Bingo, he, bango, he's, goal. He's puck watching. Um, anyway, we got to hear a few comments. Yeah, again, I, I don't think Brock Nelson's had a terrific start to the season. Uh, I think the second line has looked kind of lost out there. I think the fourth line, the identity line, has looked lost out there at times too, Grumpy. We do have a comment here from David saying, Grump, when Bavillier returns, what do you think of him on the second line and the two kids playing with Jean-Gabriel Pajot and Michael Del Cole and Sarnak playing with Casey, Sit Martin, and Clutterbuck? Okay, leave that up because that's a lot. Okay, second line. I mean, he's going to return to the second line because he drives that line. As he goes, that line goes. When he's not, if he's not generating the offensive chances, you know that uh, Nelson's going to do it. Bailey, when he was on that line, we all know he does nothing out there. He's a sidecar. Um, so Bavillier will return to this to uh, that. I think with that line, maybe he'll work with he and Everly. I don't know. Um, the third line. Should be Pajot uh, with uh, Wallstrom and Bellows, without a doubt. That They should not change that lineup. The fourth line, Casey's got to play. I wouldn't mind having Jarnak in there. And I would play Clutterbuck. I'd sit Martin. Michael Del Cole should never see the lineup. I, he, he, I mean, I, he doesn't bring anything to the table. He brings nothing to the table. I mean, Clutterbuck at least – and he's he what is he 33 years old? Cal's 33 years old, right? He's he's 32 or 33 years old, grumpy old man. Okay. It's winding down on his career. I mean, he's not what the player he was, but he's still better than Michael Del Cole. I will tell you this much about Cal Clutterbuck. I would rather have and again, like I know he's got the issues and he's a smaller guy who plays a physical, physical style. I still would rather have Cal Clutterbuck on the ice than Michael Del Cole. I would not mind at all Zarnak. And again, I guess you don't really have I, the quote unquote more of the physical presence. I guess you could say Matt Martin has a physical presence, but I mean, you're really talking about uh, diminished returns as of the physical presence. I mean, as much as Matt Martin pretends like he's got some bark that he wants to fight somebody or mix up, I don't know. If a big guy were to come up to Matt Martin and be like, hey, let's throw down, I'm not sure Matt Martin's going to be frothing at the mouth to take that challenge. Again, I just think he's older, and that's just not part of his game anymore. Matt Martin's not a fighter anymore. Okay, not like he, not like he was at the younger part of his career, Grumpy. Yeah, he's not a fighter at all anymore. I mean, he is what he is. How does that contract look now? Not even ten games into that contract, it already looks abominable. And we got another, we got another three years to go after this horrible year. I will, I will say, we got to take it with a grain of salt, though, Grumpy. I know we're we're almost we're only what yeah well. We're not, we're not, uh, we're not nine games in, or we're only nine games in, Grumpy. Yeah. Okay. And it's been really, he's been horrible. He's been really, really bad. What's the excuse? What is the six million dollar man's excuse? Does he not have Lindsay Wagner at the end of the night to keep him happy? She was the bionic woman. I mean, maybe that's what, maybe that's what he needs to rev his engines. I don't know, but whatever it is, he's not doing it on the ice right now. I loved everybody said, oh, Matt Martin, he scored five goals in the playoffs. Okay. Uh, do you really expect that success? I mean, 
he's not a goal scorer. So he got lucky in the playoffs. He got hot in the playoffs and he parlayed that. He fooled the he fooled the fossil into giving him a four-year deal at one and a half million per. I, I mean, like I said, I couldn't believe he even signed him at all. You know, with the premise being, well, we had to give him that much because someone, you know, might have offered him more. Well, you know what? If someone puts a gives a more money that like than that to a 32-year-old fourth liner, bye-bye. We'll have we'll just put somebody else in your spot. And Grumpy, we have a comment here from earlier. And again, I'm, I'm slowly getting to the comments. You got you to gotta bear with me here, Grump. Uh, uh, Tommy Baffy going ahead and chiming in. This is about your earlier comment about Poppin. He says, the Islanders need to lose, needed uh, needed to lose a heartbreaking series uh, to become a dynasty, losing to, to Toronto and the Rangers in 1978 and 1979 taught them how to win. Toronto. Ugh. That was, to me, that was the worst loss ever. That was that was even worse than losing to the Rangers. We were such a great team that year. We were so good, and we got beaten the the quarterfinals, which is the first round for us. And I'm, I'm Lanny McDonald, that piece of garbage, scored the winning goal in overtime in Game Seven. I, I was crushed. That was a crushing loss for me. I, I I've never I've never gotten over it. I mean, I I can see it. I still see it now in my mind. In 1979, John Davidson was hot as a firecracker uh, in that playoff series. In that playoff round, he single-handedly won them the series, and then uh, he actually they actually beat Montreal in the first game of the finals. Uh, and then they turned into the pumpkins that they are. So, you know they, uh, but uh, you know uh, that Toronto series was tough. And then, but if you ever listen to the old Islanders talk. Uh, you hear that, you know, when Butch Goring came in, he brought some levity, and they didn't realize how good they were. And that was the first thing that Butch said to them. These guys didn't know how good they were. But they were a spectacular team. I mean, really. And once they won, and Butch has even said it, once they won that first series, the next three were easy. The next three Stanley Cups were easy. And I, I thought they were going to beat Edmonton. Even though they were so banged up going for Cup 5, I was certain they were going to beat them. And that was another. That was, that was the end of the, that was an end of an era when they lost there. Yeah, Grumpy. I'll tell you that they beat that. They won the first uh, series there. It's like getting the proverbial monkey off the bat here. Uh, comment here from Matthew saying, "How are they going to make up these games? They can't give us too many in a comp- uh, in compression in a week." That's what they're going to do. They're going to. They're going to. If there's ever two two days in between, we're going to have back to backs. I mean, you're seeing that's going to be happening with Carolina, with Dallas. Uh, Dallas is hot. My gosh, they're they're flying right now, uh, but that's what it's going to be, and that's not something good for our team. As an older team, more games in a shorter time span is not good for our team. Well, again, I, it wouldn't be hideous for our team if we determined to integrate some of the younger blood. And again, I think I think it's important, Grumpy. You see a lot of these coaches. And it's across the league. It's not like we're talking about isolated isolated incidents here. But when some of their quote unquote, um, what do they call them? Like fat star cats, players. star players, fat cats, whatever you want to call them, if they don't perform or they look like they've done something incorrectly as of recent, and they just haven't played well the last game, they'll sit and bench them. And again, like I, this is not something that I ever think that Barry Trotz will do to any of the members of the top six of the Islanders. It doesn't matter if he's Josh Bailey. I know Josh Bailey scored a goal. I think it was that nice redirection goal on the power play. But again, it doesn't matter whether it's Josh Bailey performing poorly or Brock Nelson performing poorly or even Anthony Bavillier or Andrews Lee. If any of those players perform poorly, I don't think he, they ever have the threat of being benched. 
No. I mean, you look at just look at the Philadelphia game, right? Nick Letty and Anders Lee in overtime just they get pressured a little bit. They dump the puck in the center, and it's two on ones the other way. I mean, these are these are the veterans. These are the guys that you're trusting on your team, and these are the guys who are making these mistakes. And what's I, you know what? And I know we're getting to Matt Barzell, but I'm just going to tell you what Anders Lee caused that whole situation by a lazy pass because somebody put pressure on him and he just turned it over in the offensive zone, come back the other way. Barzell was absolutely freaking gassed going back on that play, which led to the high stick. And just to hear the vitriol against him by the announcers, I mean, I'm just like, how about we talk about the real the real elephant in the room, right? The fact that your veterans, your trusted veterans, are the ones who continually turning the puck over and making these mistakes, but nobody calls them out on it. It's just it's frustrating for me. It's painful. Well, yeah, and I'll tell you one thing. Again, there's a lot of vitriol online as well. People are claiming, hey, you know, you need to bench Matt Barzal. He's too careless and reckless with a stick. I will say Matt Barzal does take a few high-sticking penalties. For certain, he does. And, again, people, they use the inflated – and, again, he does He does have, I think it's 20 or 24 penalty minutes. I cannot remember off the top of my head, which is a lot, especially for this early in the game. But still, he had that 10-minute game misconduct penalty, and he also had the double the double minor there for a high-stick he – he had served there earlier on in the year. He he is high sticking a little more often than you'd like. But you know what? Here's when it comes down to the brass tacks. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen. The guy leads our team in goals, assists. He leads our team in penalties drawn. And he's one of only three members in the NHL right now to have a share of over 50% of their team scored goals. So Matt Barzal is the entire offense as of this point right now. Does he need to control a stick? Absolutely. Could you bench him? That would be, in my opinion, that would be beyond, beyond dumb. And this is the issue. There are so many players you pay on your team to score goals. And there's so many players that you pay on your team to create offensive ability, to create offensive chances, and they're not doing so. Just because you can't tangibly point at the actual stat sheet and say, well, we had the puck this many times in the offensive zone and nothing positive came out of it. And there was nothing came to fruition. Maybe we should bench them. I, I don't know. It's the same exact thing, right? Get out your scorecard because here comes another grumpy old man, popular refrain. There's only one guy on the whole team who creates any offense. One guy. And he's the guy you want to bench. Why? Because he drew a couple of penalties. Take away the 10-minute misconduct. You got 14 minutes. All right. You know, optimally, you don't want Matt Barzell in the penalty box ever. At least uh, Trotz did not come out and really because there was one of these reporters just, just laying it up there for him. It's like, oh, what about Matt Barzell taking that penalty? My question would have been, what about Anders Lee, just below average Anders Lee, just dumping that puck right in the middle of the ice so it's a two-on-one? And who's the only guy back covering? It's Matt Barzell. Where's everybody else? Maybe they're just too slow to get back. I mean, those are the type of things that drive me crazy. You want to punish the best player on your team. Why? Because he got a high stick up and it led to an overtime goal. Well, here's the thing. If Brock Nelson would have done his job and stuck with his man in front of the net, we would have got to shoot out and we wouldn't have had that issue. It's not Matt Barzell. It's all the other guys not picking up. So everyone makes mistakes, right? Everyone makes mistakes. He makes a mistake and the rest of the team isn't good enough to overcome the mistake of Matt Barzell. You want to sit him on the bench? Go ahead, sit him on the bench. Let's see how many goals, let's see how many games in a row we can get shut out in because that's what would happen. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. goals in nine games. That's unacceptable. 19 goals in nine games. 
I mean, you're barely over two goals a game average right there. I mean, that's man. Oh man. We've talked about it before. The dearth and the lack of offensive ability on the team is what's going to be the downfall. I, I'll never have questions about the team's ability to play defense in the goaltending. That usually is always rock solid. It's just the offensive ability, offensive acumen. I'll tell you this much. The Islanders know how to draft defensemen as well. You talked earlier, Grump. I wanted to add in an earlier. You talked earlier, Grumpy old man, about, oh, you know, if you're not scouting the right way, you know, we need to go ahead and get rid of those guys. I'll tell you one thing. Whoever is consistently scouting and identifying these young defensive prospects who are growing and blossoming into top four defensemen across the NHL, that needs to be kept. And I can't tell you how much of a benefit it has been for the Islanders and will continue to be for the Islanders. You're thinking to yourself, Robin Sal is having another killer year as well in the Swedish Elite League. 37 games in, I think he's plus 14, got five goals, 20 assists. He's really taken a big step forward. Bodie Wilde's going to perform. They, they are extremely enthusiastic about his performance and his increase there this offseason, as well as Samuel Bulldog. I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, man, oh, man, isn't that a great problem to have? Multiple defensemen above six foot who can skate who are playing extremely well. I mean, like top four defensemen like that do not grow on trees. So as much as, you know, as much as we we find issue there with the offensive performance, the defense doesn't seem to be an issue anytime soon, Grumpy. And again, it's always good to see that, you know, Robin Sallow is continuing to perform this season. Yeah, I'd like, uh, to me, Andy Green has looked slow the last couple of games. I think Noah Dobson's carrying him at this point in time. I just do. I just... I mean, I was all for signing Andy Green this offseason, but it looks like he's lost a step for certain. Um, he's getting beat to pucks in the corners. Uh, he's lacking. He just he just seems like he's a step or two slow. And when you're 37, 38 years old, you know, that that's what happens. I mean, you know, you, you lose a step, uh, particularly on defense, and, you know, that's the end real quick. We do have some younger guys coming up. How about – just for one night, let's give Sebastian Ajo a shot. He's been riding the bench for two years now. Let's give him a shot. Well, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been riding the bench for two years. He was down there in the AHL for the last two years. I will tell you this. Again, like this is a thing, right, Grumpy? And I think you and I both agree on this. Andy Green is a guy in an optimal world, if healthy, and when he's at full capacity, has full energy, he is head over heels better than Sebastian Ajo, in my opinion. Still at this age, even at this advanced age in his career, I just solely believe that. I, why not put him on a plan to where you are going to integrate some of those younger guys? I mean, Sebastian Ajo signed to a one-way deal next year. He's going to be up with the Islanders, or he's going to be waived, and somebody else is going to claim him. So why not slowly integrate him into the lineup to where, okay, you know, we're playing a lesser team. Let's throw a guy like Sebastian Ajo in here. Andy Green, you're going to get a maintenance day, so you can go ahead and get healthy and stay healthy. The bumps and bruises in the Knicks on players continue to accrue as the seasons go on. And especially when you have moments like this where the Buffalo Sabres, now we've missed two games, they're going to be thrown in. Now that's going to be at least two weeks this year that we're going to have an extra an extra load, I mean, to have to handle. So, you know, it's good to make sure that you're taking the maintenance time if players need it, especially the older players on the team. Well, I want to answer the first part of your question. Why is he not getting a shot? because he doesn't play shuffle ball on the Islanders cruise in the off season with Lou. Uh, that's probably it where, you know, the you older guys shuffle, shuffle, shuffleboard grumpy. You call it a shuffle ball. I think shuffle ball, shuff, no shuffle, shuffleboard, you know, you shuffle the whole thing. That's, that's what old people do. Or at least I've been told. And I'm sure that's what Lou does. Um, but like I said, you said, Andy green yeah, in his prime, Andy green is better than Sebastian, uh, than, uh, 
Sebastian Ajo. But at this point, Izzy, I don't know. But to your point, yes, I'd like to get him out there just to get him acclimated to see what can happen. I mean, why not put him out there with Scott Mayfield and put Letty out there with Dobson for a game? I mean, well, here, here's the thing, grumpy old man, and I've always been a big believer in this. It's good to have depth, and Sebastian Ajo does have NHL experience. I'm just saying if you're noticing, and that is the actual the actual issue, if Andy Green is starting to get a little bit tired during these condensed schedules, the year is going to be somewhat condensed here. And as you're playing those back-to-backs, why not give him a game off? Again, if that's something he needs to stay fresh, you need him to be fresh. You need him to be healthy. I've got no issue with it at all. 37, 38-year-old defensemen don't have the same recovery rates as some of these younger players these days. So, again, like I have no problem at all with entertaining that idea, Grump. I do have a comment here from Tommy Baffey as well saying, I like how Zarnak played. He fit with Pajot on a third line. I think Pajot and Sarnak and Bellos will become our third line. I don't, I don't mind that at all. I don't want Zarnak on that line. I'd rather have Wallstrom on that line with Bellows and Pajot. I'd rather play Jarnak on the fourth line. That's what I would do. I would not. I don't want to see Wallstrom riding the bench all year or playing on the fourth line. He needs to be with guys. Pajot can create chances for people. Bellows is really good in the corners, and you're seeing Wallstrom go in the corners. I like the I like the way that line looked. I, I'm just disappointed he broke that up after one game, and the only reason he did it is because they're younger players. That's the only reason. There's no other reason. There was no reason performance wise why he should have done it. Like I said, sit the whole fourth line. They've done nothing all year. Or how about you know what? You want to really send a message? Sit Brock Nelson for a night. Maybe that'll wake his ass up. I was about to say, you know, I'm a big supporter of Brock Nelson, a big champion of Brock Nelson, right? But in the same token, hasn't played well this year. And you look at last game, right? How many more times can I see him consistently throw the puck out towards the middle of the ice or not mark his man, get caught watching the puck, grumpy old man? I'm just not sure how long we can continue to watch that. I'll tell you, I, I would not be I would not be opposed to benching a guy who's one of these holy cows that uh that can do no wrong or that are in our top six that are, you know, the veterans, they do so much for us. You know what? It sends a message. And again, that's why I think that people are saying, Hey, bench Matt Barr is always the best player in our team. That sends a message to everybody else. Uh, yeah, I get it. But in the same token, right? The issue is not the issue is not that we're not, the issue is not that we're taking too many penalties. The issue isn't like we're leading the NHL in penalty minutes. Or penalty or penalty minutes surrendered. The issue in the, is we're not scoring goals. <laughs> you got to address the actual issue. And again, like the stupid penalties, they're mind-boggling. You hate to see it. I mean, a high stick like that. Oh man, oh man, there's nothing that, that grinds your gears. But in the same token, he does so much well that it's 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 easy for me to overlook. He was absolutely out of gas on that shift when Lee made that bad pass, which led to the two-on-one, which led to the high stick. It was he was he could barely even skate back, and you know what they say: fatigue makes uh, fools of us all, and or fools or what is it? I don't know. I'm I'm like a fool over here. It makes cowards of us all is what it, what it says. And I'm going to tell you what: when you're out of gas over there, you know what? It's easy to see that stick, you know, get a get up a little bit. He was t- he couldn't even skate back. He couldn't even skate backwards. He was just barely getting back, and because he was out there for a long shift, he was getting ready to get off, and then. At below average, just dumps the pants right into the center of the zone to get picked off. And, you know, no one wants to call him out on that, you know, captain below average. No one wants to call him out. No, let's just rip Mark, Matt Barzell, the only guy who does anything for this team. This team feels so much like the early years of John Tavares was John Tavares and 
everybody else. That's exactly what this team feels like right now. Mm, grumpy old man. Okay, uh, jumping along here. Uh, big question to me is, are we watching the beginning of the end of the identity line? Yes, the identity line should be long gone by now. You know what I mean? It's it's time. I, I'm sorry. Matt Martin, he's not looked great so far this year. It's unfortunate we signed him there to a four-year extension. Nice guy. Love him. Great guy. Great Islander. In the same token, though, man, oh, man. For players like that, and it's easy too, right? When players on a fourth line aren't performing and doing exactly what they're supposed to do, you're trying to tell me you can't throw another guy, one of our depth pieces out there to fill the same role? I'm sorry. I just (laughs) – I don't believe it. Fourth lines are energy lines, right? Are they providing any energy? No. I mean, they've been on the ice. They've been on the ice to start games against Philadelphia twice, and they've just been absolutely dominated off the jump. I mean, just dominated off the jump. Uh, their, their time is up. I mean, you know, the greatest fourth line of hockey, how long did you live on that rep? How many years ago did Don John Cherry say that? Four years ago? Well, you got two guys who are well in their 30s and another guy who's going to be 30 this year, right? Casey, I love Casey, injury prone, up for another contract. As far as I'm concerned, next year, none of those guys should be back. Absolutely none of them. That'll save us $10 million against the cap or maybe eight and a half since uh, the $6 million man is making a little bit less than he was previously. But you just need to move on from those guys. Let some of the young blood come in with some more energy. Okay, Grumpy. We also have another comment here here from Scott saying, I wonder if Lou is telling Barry not to play the kids or is it Barry? Because in Nashville, when Barry started, he played the kids a lot more. Um, I think it might be Lou. I, you know, I think I'm actually leaning more towards it's a Barry thing. I mean, Barry Trotz did the same exact thing there in, with, in Washington. It was a pretty much a veteran group. But, I mean, Verona was a guy who had offensive ability, but he continued to sit. Um, and I will tell you one thing. It's different in that situation, too, because the Washington Capitals have the ability to score. And they do have that offensive power. They're an offensive juggernaut before Barry got there. So it was a little bit different. For the Islanders, on the other hand, again, I guess that we did score a lot of goals under Doug Waite's system. We were just hideous on defense. Um, we don't have the same offensive ability and talent and the same exact structure. We don't have an Alexander Ovechkin. We don't have a Nicholas Backstrom. Our team is composed differently than theirs. So I think it's a little different. I mean, but he did go ahead and bench Verona multiple times uh, his last year with the Washington Capitals. And Burkowski also. Both of those guys. I mean, you know, that was his rep there. He wouldn't play the young guys. And yeah, when he was with Nashville, remember, he was the first coach in Nashville. So they were an expansion team. It's not like the way expansion teams are now where, you know, they're going to get some pretty good players. The rules were different. You were getting the bottom of the – you were getting Islander-type players all the time, guys who were, you know, third and fourth liners, mostly fourth liners. Uh, So it it behooved you to play the younger guys, right? I mean, when Lou Lamarillo took over Toronto – they were in such bad shape. They had to play the young guys because they were by far the most talented. I mean, the Mitch Marners, the Austin Matthews, uh, you know, the neat. Uh, the, um, the, the list goes on and on, grumpy old man. Yeah, you're right. They did go ahead and take that. And again, it was a, it was a pretty quick transition too. The first year, just like the first year, the Islanders said they're going to go ahead and take stock, and then the next year, that's when they went ahead and completely migrated away, and they went towards that young approach there in Toronto. Didn't do so with the Islanders again. I think the makeup is different, and that's the thing behind us. I think the makeup is different. Um, also, have a comment here from Angela. Man, oh man, this is like a softball question. I almost don't want to show it here for Grumpy. Um, do you think Lou's out of touch with current day? hockey oh god angela's smart she knows what she's talking about that's a cute dog in her picture um 
Yeah, I mean, it happens to everybody, right? What's he, 77, 78 years old right now? I don't know if he's out of touch. I don't think that he's in touch with uh, the way things are being done around the league, which is to pay the younger players bigger money and let the older players get the scraps. Um, so this way you don't have to overpay them on the back end because that's the way it used to be, and he's still living back in those times. So I think financially – uh, the game has certainly passed him by. I think, yeah, I was about to say, I think the approach has changed. And again, not even all teams in the NHL that approach where, yes, we're going to pay those younger guys uh, before, you know, right after they finish an entry-level contract a large amount so we can keep them through the prime. I mean, that is a really, really new development, grumpy old man. That's not something that's happened. And not even all teams, teams, uh, and not, not all teams go ahead and use that approach either. Guys are locking up their young. All the all the teams are locking up locking up their young players now. You don't see them going bridge deals. Look what look what Toronto did. Look what uh, uh, Colorado's done. They're locking up their players for four or five years. They're not just giving them little one or two year bridge deals to get in the free agency. That's when you wind up overpaying. We're going to overpay to keep Ryan Pulak. Because you gave him a two-year deal to bring him right to free agency. I will tell you this, Grumpy. I've had people telling me that the ideal scenario is the Islanders, and this is, again, ideal, ideal, Grumpy, that guys like Robin Sallow, Bodie Wild, and Samuel Bulldog pan out. But the ideal scenario is that we don't have anybody or Ryan Pulak on our team long term. That's, that's, that's again, that's the idea that's been floated around. Pulak and, again, Pulak or, Pulak or Nick. Pulak or Nick Letty, grumpy old man. That being said, uh, again, like I've always taken this approach. If you have the if you have the farm system and you have the young guys who are ready to step up and are going to be successful, like a Dobson, who's able to make that transition into the role of a defenseman there on the NHL team, I have no issue. I have no attachment to Ryan Pulak at all. Uh, my thing is this: we are in cap issue. We are in cap trouble. And what we see here is when teams are in cap issues and they're in cap trouble, they don't get as much for their assets. Again, like, and I hate to I hate to get all nerdy here and break it down economics wise, right? But when you're in a position where you don't have the power, and a guy like Devontae is traded away for two second round picks, you don't get enough for a guy who's a top four defenseman who's on the top pair for Colorado before he got hurt. And it, you know they also bring up Schmidt too, right? They said, oh, well, Nate Schmidt didn't get very much. You know, he plays a top four role there um, in Vancouver after being traded there from the Vegas Golden Knights. It's the same exact thing. The Vegas Golden Knights determined that they were going to go ahead and go out and sign Peter Angelo. Then they were like $8 million over the cap. What do you think realistically you can get when you're $8 million over the cap for a top four defenseman? You're not going to get very much. It's the same exact thing. It works unilaterally across the board. If you don't have the free cap space, teams know they can bend you over a bear and take advantage of you. So the thing is this. If you are ideally thinking about trading a guy like Nick Lady or Ryan Pulak, you have to have the cap situation and the availability and freedom where you can actually get what you deserve for those players. I'm sick and tired of seeing us trade away good assets or potentially, in these scenarios, trade away good assets, and we're going to get pennies on the dollar for it. Here's the difference. Vegas picked up a way better defenseman in Pietrangelo uh, compared to Schmidt. I mean, there's Pietrangelo is one of the top 10 defensemen in the league. Nate Schmidt isn't. So they upgraded their team. So they maybe they gave him away for a little bit less. We gave away Devon Taves for nothing. And we kept, and you know, you mentioned Nick Letty. Nick Letty's 31 years old. Why would you want to resign him? He's got two more years on his deal. Why would you want him back as a 33-year-old? It's the continue the same process repeating itself. 
We don't want, I don't want the old guys getting more term and more dollars at the expense of younger up and coming players. You want to be good? Look at the NFL, right? What teams are competing for Super Bowls with the exception of Tom Brady, of course? Quarterbacks who are on their rookie contracts. Why? Because they're not getting paid 20, some $25 million, $30 million a year. So you can use that salary cap money to fill out the rest of the roster. When you're paying expensive veterans that money, that means that you can't improve your team uh, by making trades because you're up against the cap all the time. I mean, it's just so frustrating when I hear things like that because here's the thing. It wouldn't surprise me if they get rid of Ryan Pulak and re-sign Nick Letty. That wouldn't surprise me at all. But why would you want to do that? Ryan Pulak's your number one defenseman. Why would you consider even thinking about moving him? It makes no sense. Okay. I, again, I, it doesn't – it doesn't not make sense, Grumpy, because if we have the young players down there in the system, and if you, I mean, again, no Dobson's going to be better than Ryan Pulak. I don't think anybody's going to debate that this time period. And if you're able to see what you know, Robin Salo can do or a guy like Bodie Wild can do, and if they are stepping into the role, there's no issue with it, right? My issue is if you trade a guy like that, you're not in a situation of power where you're gonna, not going to get what they actually earn and they deserve. Ryan Pulak, Grumpy old man, is a guy who's on a power play. He can never hit. He can never find a target of the shot. He's a good defenseman, but the same token, Grumpy, there's a lot of things he still hasn't grown into i'm not saying trade ryan pulak i'm saying if they do they have to have certain things in line to where they're not going to get screwed over on the deal he's your number one defenseman you don't move your number one defenseman here's the thing if the his thing no problem but here's the thing if you have some younger players that have come up let's say no adoption usurps him which i think that he will you wouldn't want to have ryan pulak on your second pairing because you can move why not why not move a scott mayfield or a Nick Letty. Why move Ryan Pulak? He's better than those players. You move the lesser players to keep the better players. That's what you should do. You don't get rid of your num- right now your number one defenseman because you've got guys coming up. They're not going to fill that slot right away. You move the lesser guys. That As as Dobson gets better, you want him to take over Pulak's spot. Let Pulak slide down to be a second pair defenseman. That would be fantastic. Then you're really solid defensively. You don't move that guy to keep a piece of garbage like Nick Letty or a Scott Mayfield. They're not as good as he is. Again, we talked about this, right? In this scenario, they said that they don't see Nick Letty or Ryan Pulak with the Islanders past this contract. So, again, I'm just saying, and this is, this is again, with the caveat that everybody works out, that Bulldog pans out. Bodie Wild pans out, and so does Robin Sal. We got a okay. comment here from Hold on, Grump. Oh, quickly. No, so we just one quick thing. You know what? You're a prospect until you're a player. When you're a player, then you're a player. Until then, you're just a prospect. I don't I don't count on anybody who's never played in the league. Okay. Uh grumpy old man. Brush Kings the comments and chimes in. Oh, Brush, uh, haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, good to see you here. Looks like uh they will in the next couple of weeks offer Robin Sallow a contract, and that's gonna be huge. I agree. Getting Robin Sallow signed and over here, and again, he He's performing there in the Swedish Elite League. I'd like to see what he has, uh, especially in the American game. Uh, I'm excited for him. I know a lot of people, he's moving up the boards. I mean, people are projecting him now. Maybe he could be a top four defenseman when all is said and done. Uh, I'm excited for it. That's another guy who's a good puck-moving defenseman, can go ahead and make those outlet passes, has the ability to put the puck on that also. So, again, that would be huge if we're able to do that, Grom. Well, that's just another young guy. Is he ever going to play? Who knows? I mean well, – Robin Robin Sallow's not young. He's like 23, almost 24 years old. So I wouldn't call him another, I wouldn't call him another young guy. You don't think that's young compared to the rest of our roster? He's like a spring chicken compared to Andy Green and Nick Letty and even Scott Mayfield, right? I mean, look at the ages on those guys. They're all older. Do you think he's going to get a shot? Do you think he's do you think that they're even going to give him a shot? 
That's my concern. Yes. Is he going to get a shot? Yeah, Grumpy, again, he's 22 years old. He's performed there in a Swedish elite league. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? Again, you have to free up spots if you were to go ahead and get a, get a chance. Right? Again, this this plays into this idea that maybe the reason why Ron Pulak was – and again, you might not agree with it. I'm just presenting this as an idea that was thrown my way, and I think it's not – I think it might not be too far-fetched to entertain the idea is the point. Right? The reason why they signed these guys to the bridge deal that Ryan Pulak was signed is because they expect guys like Robin Sallow and Bodie Wilde as well as um, Samuel Bullock to be able to step up and to fill the role. Again, it's extremely optimistic. I'm not sure how realistic it is, but it is an idea that has been thrown away, and I think it's possible. Okay, I'm going to say it's incompetence by our management team, absolute incompetence, just like they screwed up Devontae. They were incompetent when it came to that. You lost a top-pairing, a, a top-two-pairing defenseman on our team, but a top-pairing defenseman on just about any other team in the league, including on Colorado – a top pairing defenseman for two second round draft picks, but you still have guys like Nick Letty on this team because you like Nick Letty. He's great. No, he's not. He's not. He's on the downside. And, but these are the guys you want to keep. It's the way they think. We don't care about young players. We only care about old guys. It's just the way it is here. That's where my comment before grumpy old man saying you have to be in a position to stand on your feet where you're not up against a cap comes into play. So I believe the Islanders got sold short there for Devontae's, which is why I was saying, and I addressed that comment earlier, if they were to trade anything like that, they have to have the available cap space so they don't get screwed over on those type of trades in the future. But, okay. but, but, but think about it. You don't have cap space because you continually sign older players to big money long-term deals. Lee, Nelson, Everly, Martin. I mean, all these guys, all the old okay. guys seem to get big term. I mean, that comrade. I mean, just add one on top of the other. Instead of going with the youth movement, they go with veterans. That's why you pay too much. Okay, gotcha, grumpy old man. Again, we got we got a lot of comments here. I won't I won't chime too much on this one here. Also from Bush saying, TJ, remember the other day I mentioned about the Islanders willing um, willing to want to play this year, um, and I still believe that some of these play, some of these players don't really care about playing, and the results are showing. I don't I don't know I don't I you know. I can be critical of the Islanders, but I don't. I don't think they're quitters. Uh, absolutely not. I don't believe that. Yeah. Again, I, I just think maybe the buyout's not a hundred percent, and this is a team that I believe would like cut their arms off for the success of the team. I'm I, not sure. I'm not sure if the same exact hey, I'm willing to lose a limb for the team is there. I think they still would play their asses off for their teammates, but in the same token, are they willing? I really, honestly believe that this team is so tight knit. And when everything was going well, there's no COVID and things are normal. I think this team would do anything for their team out there. I think it might be getting to them a little bit there because with the COVID and everything, who knows what type of impacts that all has on their family, how many wives, how much of them they're missing their children there a little more. Who knows, Grumpy? Well, I, I just think that we're an older team and, is, and we're not we're not supremely talented. So when you – I mean – you know, you don't skate as well when you're 30, 31, 32, as you did when you're 23 or 24. And I think with the style that we play, those things add up. I don't think it's quit. I just think that we're just kind of worn down. I mean, I just they're just older players, and playing that style is not conducive to long-term success. It just, it just isn't. We're going to get beat up. Okay. We also have a comment here from Tommy Baffy. This is on an earlier point you made, Grumpy Old Man, about the fourth line. One problem with the succession of Sarnak playing on the fourth line is you need either Johnston or Martin there as a fourth line as a protector. Um, well, they've taken the aggressiveness out of – Matt Martin's finished as a fighter, so he's not really a protector. 
Uh, Ross Johnston, they've tried to neuter his game, turn, turn him into a dog, you know, who, you know, used to run the neighborhood. Uh, but now he just sits on the porch because they want him to play a certain style. To me, you should let Ross Johnston be who he is. I hate when coaches do that. They try to take a player who has a certain a style and an aggressiveness to him, and let's just neuter him. Let's try to jam him in, jam that square peg into that round hole. It's always a mistake. Grumpy old man. Yeah, again, I don't disagree. I will say one thing about Ross Johnson. I, I think he's, he's definitely better. I think, I think, yeah, I don't think he's a third-line player. I definitely think he's a better option than Matt Martin. But, again, the difference is Matt Martin can play the penalty kill. And, I, and it's not like I'm out there. So, well, hold on. Well, that's the thing, right? If we're thinking about, I mean, fourth liners are fourth liners, grumpy old man. I'm not expecting any scoring production out of my fourth line. I'm just not. And that's when, when the Islanders take that approach of, hey, our fourth line also needs to contribute offensively. I always think, I'm like, when is that going to stop? I mean, that's not going to continue to be the case long term. You know, the seasons of Casey Zizekas scratching 20 goals is, I mean, those are those are in the rearview mirror, and again, it kind of it kind of moves me here to the next thing as well. Here, grumpy old man. Another comment here from Will saying, "Unfortunately, we have to ask how much does Cal Clutterbuck have left in the tank? I think not much. Again, he's a guy I think is a shell of what he used to be, but maybe one tops two years left. He's only got feeling in two fingers on one hand. Uh, I'll tell you what, I like the effort out of him. He's not the player he was. He's thirty three. He's banged up. They didn't even know if he was going to come back." I mean, he's had the neck injury. I mean, I mean, after he hits, he hit Varlamov with the puck up high and knocked him out. You know, Trotz didn't call him out by name, but that's the guy who hit him up high. Uh, I think he's played or tried to play better. I mean, but he's just another instance where he's just, you know, he just can't skate as well anymore. I mean, that's what happens when you get older. I mean, I just, I hate to keep repeating myself, but that players once they get into thirties, especially players with that type of playing style. They, they fall off the cliff really quick, and that's what we're seeing with uh, with the guys on the fourth line for us. And honestly, some of the other players higher up on the lines. Hmm. And again, age age is uh, the undefeated. undefeated. Yep, undefeated. age is always undefeated, grumpy old man. Uh, Bruce King said, except for okay. Tom Brady. Okay, gotcha, Grumpy. Uh, Bush also comments in saying, "I'm still picking Varlamov to get picked there in the expansion draft. Uh, Sorokin and Schneider." Um. I don't know. I, I really don't know who's going to be selected there from our team in the expansion draft. I really don't know. I I will tell you this, though, Grumpy. I've always said that you don't want to have – in an ideal – let me backtrack. In an ideal scenario, you want Sorokin to earn more than uh, Varlamov in his next contract because that means he's fulfilled – what we expected, and he's going to be the true number one goalie. You don't want to have a backup goaltender making $5 million a year, Grumpy, for another three or four years. I mean, it's just not ideal. So moving a guy like time period wouldn't wouldn't make me the saddest. Varlam, they're going to protect Varlamov. <laughs> they're going to protect him. They're not going to protect Snyder. They're going to protect Varlamov. I mean, has Sorokin shown shown anything so far this year that lets you know that he can take over the number one spot? Not yet. Not yet. I mean, the season's still young. But I mean, I think they're. I don't think Varlamov. The way he's played so far this year, he had the bad game against Philly, uh, but he's been really solid for us. I don't think you're. He's going anywhere. Again, like I look at it like this, too, Grumpy old man. I think Sorokin's starting to show signs. I thought he played outstanding 
against the Philadelphia Flyers there, that, that second half of the back-and-back, back, Grumpy. I thought he made a, a few outstanding saves, and that's kind of what we're expecting to see. I think he's getting a little bit more comfortable. Remember, he hasn't had too much offensive production and performance in front of him either. I think it will be reassuring as, finally, as soon as he gets his first win, too. I'll be happy to see that. You know, I, I'll be happy to see maybe it's like, whew, I get a sigh of relief. Here's my first win. You know, the teams behind me, they feel comfortable with me in that. Well, we'll see. Like I said, I, I don't see them. There's a, there's many other players on this team that I'd rather lose to the expansion draft than Semyon Barlamov. Uh, many more. Mm. And grumpy old man, Tommy chiming in here saying Clutterbuck will not be back after this contract is over. I hope not. I mean, maybe, maybe they'll give him a five-year extension too for a guy who's 33 years old. That would be real smart. <laughs> grumpy old man. Yeah, again, I, mean, I don't think. Doesn't he have one more year left after this one? I think one more year, but again, I think, I think he I mean, might go long-term injury or just retire a year early. I, I, I really think it was, I mean, again, I'm not in his situation, but when you can't feel three of your fingers on a hand, that's when you're kind of getting to the point you're saying, all right, maybe it's time. And again, it's not like spring chicken. It's not like he's, you know, 25, 26 years old or like, Hey, I'm Ronnie Lott. I'm going to chop off a digit of my finger to get back out there. Cause we're going to go win the Super Bowl or anything like that. So a little different scenario. Well, there's quite a few guys who are ready for long-term injury on this team. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man here. And again, we've got another comment here. Uh, will saying, uh, we will still have good pieces on our bottom six. Uh, our top six, Barzal, and that's it at the moment. Like Grump said, you shut down Barzal and you shut down the New York Islanders. Yeah, well, there you go. It, our team is filled with bottom six players. It doesn't matter. Uh, that's why I'm saying, oh, well, Jarnak did this and – this guy did this. Who cares? They don't solve our problem. Our problem is we we don't have any high-end scoring. I mean, we're loaded with bottom six players. The whole organization is filled with them. That's who we draft, bottom six players. Why take a risk on somebody who could produce offensively when you can pick another bottom six guy? I think that's Lou's mantra at this point in career when he's drafting. You got Casper. You got the other guy, Grunstadt, uh, that he drafted Hold this on. year. Long crunch, grumpy old man. I will tell you this much. I mean, again, you talk about the lack of offensive scoring. And again, I know it's juniors. I try not to take too much stock in juniors. William DeFore is playing pretty well, the fifth round pick here uh, from 2020. Again, I think he's got nine goals through 10 games there for Drummondville. So again, he's producing grumpy old man. I, again, it's juniors though. So does he, play any defense? does he play any defense? Because if he doesn't, he has no shot of playing on this team. I can't tell you to watch many of their games, grumpy. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he plays in the Quebec Major Junior League, I'm going to say he's probably not great defensively. Now, he's a big kid. He's a big kid. I liked him actually better than Lundkrantz, honestly. I think they took a chance on a guy with skill there. I mean, I just I just don't believe in drafting guys who are just middling players to pass up high-end talent. I just, I just think it's a recipe for disaster. Uh, got a comment here also there from Tommy saying Brock Nelson was at fault for three of those goals on Sunday night. I'll tell you, and I'm a huge believer, and I, I like Brock Nelson. I personally root for him. I think he gets a lot of hate. I will tell you one thing. Right now, the hate he's receiving is just. <laughs> I mean, he defensively out of position. He looked out of sorts. He's caught puck watching an awful lot, more than he usually is. So I'll tell you, I mean, that, that Sunday performance was not great. It, this is another scenario, right? He played poorly on Sunday. Didn't really contribute offensively. Didn't do a great job when he was supposed to do defensively. In the same token, do you think a guy like that would ever be sent a message? No. But that's like everybody saying, hey, send Matt Barzola a message. Send Matt Barzola a message. I like I like Brock Nelson. He does a lot for the team. 
Send Brock Nelson a message too, right? Right. I'm saying if you're going to say, hey, send Matt Barzal a message, you also have to be saying, hey, send these other guys messages too. That's all. He he never gets called out by the coach. The coach loves him. He, he When they talked about him, well, what about Brock? Well, you know what? He's struggling a little bit, but you know what? He's earned, you know, my trust. I don't care. It's a now business. It's not yesteryear business. It's how you're doing now. Uh, you see, look at the guys who are benched uh, on good teams. Good teams have no problem benching guys like that. I mean, at least he didn't bench Matt Barzal. Now, I don't know if he would have benched him if he got out of the penalty box because that's been his modus operandi too. Bench Matt Barzal. Make him the scapegoat for all that's wrong with this team. I'm stunned he signed back for three years. I would have just taken a one-year deal. I couldn't – if I was him, I couldn't wait to leave this franchise. Okay, Grumpy. I know you might be getting cranky because we're a little over an hour, Grumpy old man. He, okay, Matt Barzal, I think he likes Barry Trotz. He likes the team. He likes he likes playing on the island. Uh, that being said, you made an earlier comment about benching him. Again, think about it earlier on in the year. Casey Sezekis was benched because of poor play defensively. So I, like he's, benched a few, he's, he's benched a few – Nick Letty also. I'm just saying, like, do I think he'll ever go out of the moment and say, hey, you know what, you just didn't have a good game altogether. You've been struggling a little bit, Brock. I just want you to go ahead and take a moment, get composed. You know what I mean? Take a breath. We're going to give you this game off. I need you to come back ready to go. We just need you to clear your head or whatever. You know what I mean? Do I think he'll ever do that with anybody in our top six? Absolutely not. Except Matt Barzal. He probably would do that with Barzal, though. Or, Nick, or Anthony Mobilier. Got no problem doing it with him either. He's benched him before. He's absolutely benched him before. Okay, Grumpy. Uh, Brian here is saying, at the deadline, can we clean house, please? Only untouchables are Barzal and Dobson. Uh, I know that's music. I know that's music to Grumpy Old Man's ears. He's not far off. I'm telling you. I mean, he's not far off. Those are the only, to me, those are the only two players even worth watching right now. You just see the growth in Dobson day by day. Barzal has just been fantastic this year. I don't care if he takes penalties or not. I think I I really don't. That's not the reason why we're losing. Don't try to blame that loss on Matt Barzal. It started with with below average, making a bad pass, which uh, turned that into. But he was still fighting. You see Matt Barzal still out there fighting in the corners. When was the last time you see Andrew uh, uh, Anders Lee in a corner? When was the last time you saw him going in the corners? I'm going to well, give kudos. Hold on, to Grump, hold on, Grump. I want to hold on, Grump. You said when's the last time you saw him on the corner? The last time I saw him was a corner was in that overtime game where he threw the puck towards the middle of the ice. Did you see that skating stride? My gosh, that little choppy stride. He had a 15 foot lead on the guy and he got caught. I mean, and here's the thing: that's a difference. If that puck gets thrown out to a, an Anders Lee, a Brock Nelson, a, jo- a Josh Bailey, that is not a goal. You throw it out to Matt Barzell. Bingo. That's what snipers do. We don't have enough snipers on this team. That's right. Callie have scored a goal. Oh, I forgot. We already talked about that. Or maybe Wallstrom would have scored that goal. But you're not going to see those other guys do it. I, it's just so frustrating. Now, one thing. I do want to give credit to Josh Bailey because you know how I am. To, that was an excellent deflection goal by him. That was yeah. a really fantastic deflection goal. And everybody says, oh, Josh Bailey has been, you know, He's with Anders Lee. That's why he's rejuvenated. He's playing so much better. No, it's because he's with Matt Barzal. And the human sidecar is just along for the ride. That's what he's there for. It's not like he's playing any better. Matt Barzal elevates the play of the ham and eggers that play on his line. I will tell you. And again, like I've always thought that the, uh, and again, different subject, Grumpy. I've always thought that the reward of ice time and the reward of role has always been different for different players. And again, 
Brian brings up a good point here. Komarov makes mistakes, takes that huge five-minute penalty, doesn't mark his man coming back, and then gets promoted to the second line. Given on the second line, he also did not perform and then was benched thereafter. Again, he was moved off the taxi squad, but again, the taxi squad's pretty fluid. Who knows what the lineup's going to look like next game? But this is a perfect scenario, right? He's another guy who's been making a plethora of mistakes. We don't need to see Leo Komarov ever again. If he's back in the lineup there Saturday against the Penguins, I will be shocked. Actually, I won't be shocked. I'll be disappointed. Well, here's the thing. You keep on forgetting. Let me let's say one of the young guys, let's say Kiefer Bellows would have done that, or Oliver Wallstrom. Let's say they would have done that. Those guys wouldn't have played again the rest of the year. But they're gonna keep on rolling out Comrade because you know what? You know what? He's been in the battles before. We trust him in those situations. You know what? I don't care. Uh, let's say Scott Niedermeyer was a great defenseman at the time. What's he, 45 years old? You know, he did it. He, used to, he was great before in the past, too. Should we roll him out there on the ice? No, because the game has passed him by. He's finished. There's a lot of guys on this team whose careers are over, but they still have a lot of money coming to them. <laughs> I won't say there's a lot. There's a hand. There, I mean, you can count them all on one hand. There's only a few grumpy old men. I think, I think Andrew Ladd is definitely one of them. That's not a Lou Lamarillo fault. I mean, that's something he inherited. And Leo Komarov, that that was his own issue. I mean, he signed Leo Komarov the way he did. So I think Leo definitely, uh, poor contract and his career is finished. I'm going to tell you, it's an uncomfortable amount of players who are not pre- performing up to their contracts and are on the wrong side of 30. And a really uncomfortable amount going forward. I it, think it, it's, more, it's more than one hand for me. I'm going to tell you that much right now. I don't disagree with you on that, Grumpy. And again, this is this is the problem we've talked about for a long time. We talked about when a lot of these guys signed back two years ago. Um, you're mortgaging the future for the right now. We're a team that that the window was pretty tight. At least that's how they were they were treating it when they were signing a lot of these guys to these long term deals. And again, I don't think Brock Nelson is one of those characters. I think Andrew. I think Anders Lee how long that contract was, that's definitely going to be an issue long-term for certain. I mean, Jordan Eberle, I know has performed a little bit as of right now, but that's another guy who has been spotty at best, who's been up and down. And you kind of worry long-term about a guy who's a streaky goal scorer that, you know, that's tied to a big contract like that. So again, there's a lot of opportunities hopefully available there with the expansion draft, but I, I don't, I don't disagree with the sentiment, Grumpy. Well, I mean, I mean, Jordan Eberle, right? Doesn't skate as well anymore, right? Let's be honest. He's not the skater he was two years ago. He's in his 30s now. Anders Lee could never skate, and now he looks even worse. I mean, and how's that going to look five years from now? <laughs> I mean, I mean, these are th- these are the type of things that that you have to think about, and they continue to make those same dumb mistakes. Komarov, he was finished in Toronto. Matt Martin couldn't even get on the ice in Toronto. Here, he gets a four-year extension. I mean, I just – I don't understand. Nick Letty, he played good for a couple of games. Now he's back to being Nick Letty again. I mean, these are just the these are just the kind of things. And they, they reward these guys with contract extension. It's just frustrating to watch, honestly. Would it surprise me if Leo Komarov gets back in the lineup? Um, uh, maybe immediately, but I think we're going to see more of Leo Komarov this year. I, I don't. There's no doubt that he's not going to play again this year. I, I think he will play again. I just don't think he should be playing. <laughs> 
<laughs> come Saturday against the Penguins. And again, I'm I'm unopposed to a Leo Komarov in a one-game situation where it's like, hey, our fourth line's battered and destroyed right now. They need time off. Where penalty killers aren't there. Sure, I understand. We have a lot of guys right now on the roster that are healthy that play the penalty kill, though, which makes, in my opinion, Leo worthless. I mean, and then you have – I mean, think about it. Casey Zizekas is up at the end of the year. Are they going to make the same mistake with him? What do you think? I think they will. I think they'll overpay to keep a guy who's injury prone, who had one year where he scored the 20 goals. Other than that, he's under a 10-goal-a-year score. I mean, he is what he is. He's a fourth-line center. You don't pay like guys like that $3.5 million a year. You just don't. Grumpy old man. And Tommy Baffy also chiming in saying, I'll name the defenseman coming. Uh, Samuel Bolduck, Robin Sallow, Bodie Wild, and Grant Hutton. Uh, those four and again, like those are guys, and this is and this is again kind of moving back to that point Grumpy Old Man was making earlier. I've heard people introduce this idea that maybe Ryan Pulak and Nick Letty are not going to be here long term. They feel confident, com- comfortable, and confident in those guys just listed. And I'm I'm just I'm just going to put it like this. I'm not saying yes because I can't actually look and evaluate really many of the players as of the moment, so I can't say yes, I'm 100% bought in all these guys. I'm just saying if that is the idea, you have to be able to have the cap space so teams can't screw you over because you're up against the cap. That's that's long-term. That's what I want. Okay, they're not here till they're here, okay? But if you're moving – Nick Letty, he's going to get a contract extension. You watch. They'll resign him back. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they let their number one defenseman go. But what are you moving? What are you going to move him for? Are you just going to dump him because of all the other bad contracts, or are you going to try to get something back? They should have tried to get something for Devon Taves, but they didn't because they weren't the thing. He wasn't inventive enough to try to make a trade. No, no, it's not that. And I, again, I just broke it down earlier. You didn't have the cap space. So you don't have any legs to stand on. When you don't have the cap space, teams can bend you over the barrel and lowball you because they know you have to make the move to be salary compliant. It's because you are up against the cap. That is the reason we didn't get anything for Devontae. And it's the same reason if we're cap up against the cap, we won't get anything for a guy like Ryan Pulak if we trade him. Okay. You have plenty of guys you can put on long-term injury. Andrew Lodge should be on long-term injury. There's another five and a half million. You could have made it work. It's the fact that he's not creative enough to do it. Right? You could have had Johnny on there. You could have Komarov on there. You could have sent Clutterbuck there. You could have sent Ladd there. All those guys could be a long-term injury because they all do have long-term injuries. I mean, that's what you could have done, but he wasn't creative enough. He's just not. He can't think outside the box. They need a young, smart thinker to help him with the financial aspects because he just can't do it. Unless it's, this is the way it is. I'm Lou. I think like this. I can't think outside the box. That's when you get what you get. They shouldn't let him handle any finances. I mean, who's next? I mean, who are they going to sign next? What other old aging don't need a veteran are we going to sign to four and five year extensions? Grumpy old man. Maybe we'll bring back Scott Stevens. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Why we not? Comment- only in his fifties. Okay, we got a comment here from Michael Cavs saying Aho is too small. Hickey number two. Well, he is too small, but in today's NHL, uh, you can get away with that if you're a puck moving defenseman, and that's what he is. Thomas Hickey's just a waste. Was I'll a tell you, I'll man. tell you in this in this system though, you definitely cannot get away with that. I mean, I've always thought this. I think Sebastian Aho would and could be a you know a bottom pairing defenseman at one point in time in the league. It's unfortunate because again, I don't think his defense has take has improved by leaps and bounds. When we saw him in that shortened shortened time period in the Doug Waite system, again, it was a baptism by fire. 
that's a guy where he would I wouldn't be opposed if you know if the right move or the right deal came along if you throw him in as a sweetener. And again, I know he probably doesn't hold a lot of value, but he's not a guy because he is smaller that I think really pans out on this team. And I know we have Andy Green who's not overly large, but Andy Green, man oh man, he's he's special. Andy Green, especially back in his prime, was special. He's more of a defensive minded guy than I think Sebastian Ajo is or could be. You said it there, back in his prime. He's not in his prime anymore. And like him, he looks a step or two slow this year. I thought he was good last year in the playoffs, but I think he's looked a step or step or uh, too slow right now. And Dobson is pretty much carrying him right now. So you know, Dobson improved by leaps and bounds. Uh, I, I'm never opposed to getting the the game. The way the game is progressing is smaller puck moving defensemen. Quinn Hughes is what five foot nine, 103 pounds. He's but he's not, able to move that puck. He's not. He's not five foot nine, Grumpy old man. He's taller than that. I will tell you though. I think you do see. And again, the same thing. The same exact thing. Boquist. A lot of these younger defensemen that are smaller are getting their chances and opportunity. Again, they play different styles than us, though. You have and to like, be able to skate. You have to be able to skate. That's the one thing the smaller guys have to be able to escape. We have a comment here, and I feel like it's a loaded question. Angela, you're giving us all these loaded questions. Uh, like is Andy. is Barry Trotz is Trotz overrated? No, I'll put it like this: I don't think Barry Trotz is overrated. He remember this is the same team two a little over two years ago under under Doug Waits, Jack Hapuana before him, and multiple other head coaches before that time period. We could barely scratch together to make a playoffs. Or to make the playoffs, uh, Barry Trotz has turned. You know, and I've always believed that the players and the cast and crew on this team are not terrific at the moment. They, he's, you know, the sum is definitely greater than the parts, in my opinion. Right now, we're seeing is that the sum is equal to the parts that we have, and it's a little bit of a shock to Islander fans. But yes, this is exactly if you know he's not pulling off miraculous ability. If he's not miraculous at the time period, and the players aren't playing Barry Trotz hockey 100 of the way, they do struggle. I think he's a system guy, and the system makes these lesser talented teams into real contenders for the playoffs. Think, contenders for the playoffs. Maybe not contenders for the Stanley Cup, but teams that can compete. If they have the offensive ability, real contenders. You're done. You're done. You're Grump, done. I, know, I know I'm not getting hit with that from you, Grumpy old man. You're done. After all the monologues you've been hitting us with today. You finished? Okay. He is overrated. That said, I think he's a good coach, but people are talking him like the second coming of Christ. Okay, he's not. Okay. He's had one year where he's been successful. One, one where he won a Stanley Cup with a superiorly talented team. He'd been with, he was on the ropes. They didn't even want to keep him after he won the cup. That should that should tell you something. They didn't even want to keep him after he won the cup. Yes, they won the cup. Everything fell into place for them. Ovechkin bought in. Uh, you know, but they were just way more talented than we are in Nashville. Right? How many times has he gotten out of the first or second round of the playoffs? Only like three or four times his whole career. Think about that. He got us to the Eastern Conference Finals. Great. I'm happy for it. That's as far as we could have went. I thought he did a masterful job last year. But I think his negatives, namely his inability to incorporate younger players into the roster, is a big negative. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, to the long-term success of a team. And if you're, if you consider success just, you know, being a seven or eight team qualifying for the playoffs, you know, pretty much every year and getting knocked off in the first round, maybe the second, that's not a success in my book. Do you consider Andy Reid a successful NFL coach, Grumpy? Andy, Andy Reid? Andy Reid, yes. Uh, he has his liabilities 
But at least I'm going to tell do you, you what do he does. you consider Andy Reid a successful NFL coach? Grumpy? Yes. Really simple question. Okay. Yes. I think Andy Reid is almost identical to Barry Trotz. And hear me out as to the reasons why. Andy Reid is another guy who could never win the big game. He can go ahead and be successful in the regular season, just like Barry Trotz has. Look back at the old time periods back in Nashville, Grumpy. Those Barry Trotz teams had a lot of regular season points. They were somewhat successful in the playoffs, could never put them over the hump. And again, with with the Washington Capitals, as soon as he goes ahead and gets a piece who is a Hall of Fame caliber player, just like Andy Reid does get the piece who is a Hall of Play, Hall of Fame caliber quarterback and Patrick Mahomes, he's able to win the big bit. He's able to win the big big uh, the big award. So Grump, I think he's very similar to Andy Reid in that comparison. Here's the difference: Andy Reid was able to modify his system to benefit the skill set that Patrick Mahomes has. You don't see that from Barry Trotz. It's his system or the highway. That's the difference between a good coach and a or a really good coach and a good coach. Because I think Barry Trotz is a good coach, but I don't think he's a great coach. He will not bend from his style. Where you've seen Andy Reid, that style from when uh, um, Smith was the quarterback is way different than it is now with Mahomes. He modified his approach because he saw the talent. Barry Trotz does not do that. That's the difference between them. Okay, Grumpy. I, again, like I think that's a valid point. Um, I, I still think they're very comparable. Besides that one little caveat, I think they're both very comparable with production in their careers. I think they really are. I think, I, again, I think that makes a good point, though. Um, a grumpy old man. Also, Tommy, speaking about Barry Trotz, uh, TJ, why is Nelson out there in overtime in a 4-on-3 scenario, a situation over Pajot or Sezikis? It's a terrible decision by Trotz. I think that's a good point. I mean, again, I think I think Brock has struggled this year, and I think who is I think definitely Sezikis and John Gabriel Pajot are more apt to handle a shorthanded situation like that in overtime. Pajot should have been out there. I think Sezikis has been a step slow this year. I think the injuries have caught up to him. Pajot is Pajot is one of our better players on our team, night after night. Uh, the reason why Nelson was out there because Barry Trotz trusts him. I mean, he doesn't look with his eyes; he looks with you know with nostalgia. He's got stars in his eyes. Oh, well, Nelson's been – Kroc has been good for us in the previous two years. Let's roll him out. Leo Komarov, you know, he was great three years ago. Let's roll him out. I trust him. I don't care that he can't keep up or, or gets, gets a five-minute uh, high-sticking penalty for running a guy from behind, and then he comes out and give up a game-winning goal. We're going to roll him out there the next the next night and give him a reward. Let's put him on the second line. He was so bad last night. Let's move on the second line. You know, maybe he'll make Brock look better because Kamrov was so bad. But no, they just all look horrible. Okay, Grumpy. Uh, Brian here chiming in saying, Trotz had a team in Nashville. They always drafted a bunch of great demon, uh, but they never were able – they never could score or develop scores. 15 years, they never got past the second round. There you go. That's that's my that's my point in a nutshell right there. I mean, yes, they and they had good defense. But you know something? You got to put the puck in there to win games. You got to score more than two goals a game to win games. I mean, you just you just can't do it, especially this year. I mean, I thought if we came out hot, which I really thought we would, uh, that we'd be okay. But coming out the way we've come out, we the only team two teams we've really beaten. Uh, we were lucky to beat Boston. The only two games we really played well was against the first games against the Rangers and the Devils. That's it. Yeah, Grumpy. We all said the comment. I, I agree. Um, again, I think we have looked underwhelming. I thought we played. 
I thought we actually played well against the Flyers despite only getting two points and two overtime losses. I think those are two games that actually played better. We have to right the ship. We need to right the ship, though, Grumpy. Yeah, one thing is uh, evident. We can't beat the Flyers in overtime. (laughs) We just can't beat them in overtime. Didn't they beat us three games in the playoffs in overtime and then the first two games this year? Everything overtime they beat us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Grumpy, I think that's a good point here. Uh, also, two minutes of pessimistic, he said, please, let's end the Sezikis line. They're done. Uh, these guys are good soldiers, but the Sezikis line is done. Time to move on. Yeah, I mean, that line makes, what, almost $9 million a year? You don't think we'd use that $9 million somewhere else? I think we can. That's what happens when you overpay bottom line players too much money. You want to know how you get in cap hell? That's how you do it. And so instead of trying to – trade our number one defenseman, let's probably get rid of the garbage at the bottom of our roster or the other guys who aren't producing. You don't get rid of your good players because you have salary cap issues. You dump the other garbage. I don't care if you have to give up all your draft picks. Anything I can do to get the junk off of our roster of the overpaid veterans, I'm all for. I am smiling grumpy ear to ear. Um, this is a comment that I know is going to make you smile. You do not, you're not a big fan of Isles on Isles. Eyes on Isles. You never have been, never were. I, I think you did. Okay. No, I, I read them because I find them. It's like, it's like the national Enquirer, <laughs> New York Islanders. I read it, you know, because, but they're company men for the most part. They very rarely speak out against the company line. Well, this this is a comment that that speaks to that grumpy. Uh, Jerry's saying here, you guys give a far better analysis than the eyes on Isles crew. <laughs> well, everything everything's sunshine and you know lollipops and grum drops as far as they're concerned. And even when they do call somebody out, they apologize for it. I'm like, what? I mean, I, I'm like, stop apologizing. I mean, just call it for what it is. I mean, you know. Here's a comment here from Scott. He says, uh, when the AHL season starts this week, do you think Sorokin should go to Bridgeport and be the starter? Just let Schneider and Varlamov be the Islanders goaltenders for a while. Do you think uh, that's what uh, – do what the Rangers did with Shesterkin? Um, I'll tell you this. I think there's no way Sorokin will be moved down to Bridgeport, and here's my reason why. When Varlamov got absolutely shelled earlier on this year and gave up five goals – and that second period against the Washington Capitals, Barry Trotz didn't pull him, didn't even think about moving uh, Corey Schneider in that. I think he has no plans on playing Corey Schneider anytime soon. Um, I guess we had a more competent player, or I wouldn't say competent. If we had a player, maybe he trusts a little more than Corey Schneider. Uh, sure, I could see this being a possibility. I just really don't think he has any trust in Corey Schneider. Why did you sign him then? Why did you sign him? There was no need to sign him then. I mean, I have no problem with Sorokin going down to the AHL. Absolutely none. He needs he needs to play. And if you're just going to play him once every four or five games, he's not going to get developed. Let the young guys play. If you're not going to play him, give him where he can play. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they sent Wallstrom down to the A. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Why? Because he scored a goal for this team, and we don't want to score goals. Here's my thing and my question. This year, we're not going to play as many games as some of the other teams in the AHL. Because we're only going to be playing against two teams all season long, grumpy old man. It's not like we're going to be playing 50 games against two teams. So, I mean, like our, our season is going to be a lot more actual development and a lot more practice. It's not going to be as many games as people think, which is unfortunate. Um, so I'm not sure if that's going to play an effect. If we were going to play, you know, maybe a 30 or 40 game season in the A, maybe that would change things. I'm just not sure with the, with the smaller schedule against only two teams or how that will affect, you know, the mindset of the Islanders organization. Well, I, you know what? I, I just want the kid to play. 
you need to play. If you want to, if you really want him to get better, he's got to play. Sitting on the bench and practicing with the team is not going to get you better. You wind up, you learn about game situations during games. I mean, let's be honest, right? Sorokin has gotten better. In, the first game was bad. The second game was, eh. I thought his rebound control, he gave it maybe one rebound the last game that I would consider you know, a bad one. But it's he's getting better. I think the more that he plays, particularly on the smaller ice surface, the better he'll get. If he only plays once a week or, you know, once every four games, I don't think that's good for his development. You want him to be ready. I mean, to me, it's not about this year at this point. It's about making sure he can play ready and be ready to go next year. And I'm, not, I'm not giving up on the year, but, I mean, we have to turn it around fast. Uh, grumpy old man here. We got a comment here from Tom. Uh, he says, uh, Ryan Pulak likes it here. He will resign again, guaranteed. And, again, Tommy also chiming in again. This is the same exact topic. He says, uh, I will say this now. The Islanders need to either sign Pulak to an extension this offseason or trade him and be proactive there for a nice return. Well, anything we learned about Lou Lamorello, he is not proactive. He is reactive. His mantra is, if you got time, use it. He will not be re-signed to an extension. He just signed a two-year deal this year, so they won't extend him. Should they? Absolutely. But I don't think he will. I think he'll let him go to free agency, and if they lose him, they lose him. Uh, that's just the way they are. Because I'm sure there's some other pieces of guard. Letty's contract is coming up in two years, and you know they're going to resign him. You know they're resigning him. I think, unfortunately, they would. Again, like I, I wouldn't mind seeing Letty leave either, especially if the younger players can step up and they will play. Again, I think Letty's had a good start to the season. I think Letty does a lot of things that just continually frustrate me, though. I hate the lack of effort sometimes. And I, you said it also with Anders Lee. This, those type of items, when you're in the offensive zone, you throw the puck towards the middle and it allows there for a fast break for the other team. That type of stuff drives me insane. Insane. It's a terrible. It's terrible. And these are your trusted veterans, the guys that you, you give so much rope because they've been there. They've done it. You're right. They turn the puck over all the time. I mean, how much more of that do you have to see? I mean, that's the thing with me. It's like they make the same mistakes over and over. At some point in time, you have to realize they are what they are. I mean, average, below average, he is what he is. Nick Letty is what he is. The glory days from 2016 are over for him. Absolutely yeah. over. And two minutes pessimistic also chiming in on a different platform with the same exact item. And again, these are all older ones, Grumpy. I'm sorry. It's been taking me a while to get to all the comments today. Sell high on Pulak unless he resigns uh, to a decent deal money-wise. Again, like this is this seems to be a shared sentiment. I, I don't disagree with it. Okay. I'm just not for selling young defensemen. Absolutely not. And I don't care. I'd rather for the expansion draft, there is nobody. I'm not. I'm not keeping anybody who. I'm not protecting anyone who makes more than a couple million dollars, with the exception of Matt Barzal. Everybody else, expose them. Anders Lee, expose. I don't care if he's the captain. You think they're going to take him? It would be a godsend if they take one of those old veterans. Letty, expose him. Bailey, expose him. Nelson, expose him. Everly, expose him. It helps us get that money off our cap. All you're going to get is diminishing returns from them anyway. I would pray that they take them. They're going to, you watch them. What you watch us lose key for Bellows because, well, you know, he doesn't make much money. That's the perfect guy for them to pick up a 22, 23 year old to fit in a team like that. That's exactly what an expansion team should do. Okay, Grumpy. Uh, Thomas Klein chiming in saying, uh, what do you think about trading away older players like Bailey, Clutterbuck, Letty, <laughs> if nothing just to free up cap 
and get younger. Uh, Grumpy, that's speaking. I'm sorry. Go ahead, TJ. Yeah, Grumpy, that's speaking. That's speaking music to your ears, Grumpy old man. Is what I was going to say. You want to get out of cap cap jail? Get rid of those guys who don't bring anything to the table and make too much money. Other teams are able to do it. How come you're not able to? Other teams are able to incorporate young players in the lineup. How come you're not able to? It got you, Grumpy. You have to question management. Got you, Grumpy. Hey, uh, Grumpy, we got we're going to try to fly through the last few of these comments here because we're around an hour and thirty. Um, Salo needs to play in Bridgeport first. I don't disagree with this at all. And again, Agreed. I think Robin Salo will find a spot on the on the NHL roster uh, for the Islanders in some capacity uh, sooner, probably rather than later. I have no issue at all because it, I don't think it benefits him at all if he were to sit down as a healthy scratch or to be a guy on a taxi squad. I don't think that benefits him very much. Hundred percent agreement on that. Next. <laughs> Robin Sally will play when he's 33 years old. Or maybe 37, like Andy Green. <laughs> oh, grumpy old man. Uh, yep, and then this is Tommy also uh, ex- uh, further elaborating on that. Let him come over, play in Bridgeport, then have him ready for camp next year and have a shot with the team. 100% agreement. Yep. Um, here we go as well here. Tom White saying, moving a, moving out a guy like Pulak um, and having to bring in more rookies and taking their time uh, to get them, to mold them into NHL players. Uh, we're starting the rebuild again, question mark. We'll be the next Detroit. If you want to start a rebuild. No, no I, think that was, I think that was the question. Yeah, if we want to start a rebuild, which I'm not opposed to, you don't get rid of the Ryan Pulaks on your team. You get rid of all the older guys who make too much money. They're the albatrosses around our neck, not Ryan Bullock, not Adam Pellick, not Anthony Bavillier, not Matt Barzal, Lee, Everly, Nelson, Bailey, uh, Clutterbuck, Sezekis, Martin. Those are the guys who are the albatrosses. Those are the guys you move out. You move out the old veterans, not the young guys. We've got a comment here also. Brian saying everyone overrated this team because of the COVID run every year. Uh, everyone had a full off season, then played a tournament in a bubble with no fans. Anyone could make a, anyone could have made a run. It's like uh, Buffalo two years in a row started red hot and missed the playoffs. Yeah. Well, that's what happens, right? I mean, if we didn't have the COVID break last year, we were not going to make the playoffs. And then maybe the team reassesses. I think it was kind of fool's gold when you said, oh, look, well, hey, we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't care. The team is not constituted to win a Stanley Cup. Not even close. I mean, if we wouldn't have beat Boston, there's certain teams we wouldn't have beaten. I mean, you're seeing it this year. I mean, Boston looks really good all of a sudden. Washington looks really good. Philadelphia, I think we can beat Philadelphia, even though we haven't. But, I mean, we're just we're just going to – if we make it, it's going to be in the fourth spot. Yeah, and again, we always I don't think we were ever going to be in the top two positions. I always thought if we were going to come in, it was going to be anywhere from three to four. And again, I always said from three to six or even seven in the East Division was going to be an absolute crapshoot. Um, here you go. Uh, Matthew saying Sorokin is not eligible for protection. I think with what Bruce was saying, he was saying that we would protect Corey Schneider. Um, as I think what he was he was hinting at. Again, I who knows? I think it's so far off there in this year. I think a lot depends on how we perform this year because you're right. If Sor- if Varlamov plays the way he has this year, I don't think there's any way we expose him. Yeah. And even and again, like even that that's a situation where we would pay ideally a backup goalie, you know, five million a year. Not ideal, but you know, Varlamov plays too well, where even if he's an asset, you if you 
rid of him. It'd be more beneficial to trade him than just let him walk for free to an expansion draft. But here's the thing. We overpaid for Varlamov. We didn't have to pay him that much in that much term. There wasn't a market for him. We overpaid for him. Just like we do with anybody that we sign, we overpay for veterans with term and dollar. I mean, I, I just it's the same mistake we make over and over again. I mean, until they until those mistakes are cut out, we're gonna continue to have these issues. Hmm. Yeah, grumpy. And again, um, we got a few more comments here. Uh, these are some older ones. I'm sorry, I'm just getting to here. Tommy saying, not having feeling in three fingers for any professional sport is quite the problem. Yeah, I imagine gripping the stick. I mean, like again, like it's so it's so easy just to overpass and not really think about that. Like even just like normal everyday life like that. Man, oh man, that's gotta be tough. Yeah, I mean, kudos to Cal Clutterbuck. I mean, he had a couple of serious injuries last year and he came back. You're never gonna hear me rip him. Uh, because he's a gamer. I just think that, you know, with older players, it just kind of is what it is. I mean, he could go on long-term injury next year. I mean, there's so many things we could do with the cap, but I don't think the fossil is just up on any of them. Uh, Michael also chiming in saying, we are a team that plays playoff hockey, and at this rate we aren't built on a 56 grinded out style. And again, like to play devil's advocate, we played well at the beginning half of last year. And I know you could tell we kind of tapered off at the end, right around 50 some odd games. That's when we kind of started to started to tail off a little bit. Um, it's really it's really tough when your team always has to out effort everybody. I mean, that's a style where even if you can get every 100 percent buy in, and I'm talking about there's no doubt in anybody's mind. If you get 100 percent buy in, that can work for a year or two. But, again, as your players get older, they do not have the ability and the stamina to continue that playoff-style hockey game in a game out, I don't think. Well, you hit it right on the head once again, TJ. It's the age, the fact that the players are older. They don't recover from injury. They get, they're get more injury-prone. They don't come back from injury as quick. And that style is conducive to picking up injuries. It just is what it is. And, you know, it just does, seems like our management staff isn't bright enough to figure that out yet. Okay, gotcha here. Tom White also says, lack a top three forward. It's our Achilles heel. Poor power play, a lack of scoring. We won't get much further if we don't find some skill. Again, this is music to Grumpy and I's ear. Again, I think we always did need a score. A sniper is oh, – it's needed. It's desperately needed. A grumpy old man here. This is oh, this is one for you, Grumpy. I, I know you're going to like it. Brian says, exactly, Grump. I, I doubt Al Arbor, ever, Al Arbor ever told Mike Bossy that he can't play until he improves his 200-foot game. Absolutely not. You know, I guess when you score 50 goals, like I said, he could. Mike Bossy couldn't play for this team. Wayne Gretzky couldn't play for this team. Mara Lemieux couldn't play for this team. Why? They didn't play enough defense. I, I don't care if you score 200 points a year. You're not playing because you don't play defense on this team. We're going to make an example out of you. We're going to take your game and try to crush it and jam it into my style, my style that doesn't work. I'm going to try that. Well, just so you can be – we don't care about Stanley Cups. We just care about we'll make the playoffs every year. This isn't Nashville. This is New York. I mean, they're just happy to have a team in Nashville. Smashville, grumpy old man, is a little, the little, the little, the phrase they ran on back in that time period. Uh, Christopher, he says, "Hi guys, new viewer here. Hey, new viewer. Um, so here's my question. I don't know lose moves too well, but why didn't he use the cap space we had last offseason to make moves during the offseason uh, and made moves during the offseason? Because he would have had to be creative, and that's not something he does. He's not creative enough. I keep on saying." 
To me, you should be right now approaching those players whose contracts are up next year and try to re-sign them now. I thought he should have been trying to re-sign Barzell, Pulak um, earlier last year or even the year before. Lock those guys up on longer-term deals, paying them a little bit less annual salary and buy out maybe a year or two of free agency. That's what he should have done, but he did the exact opposite by signing older players back to ridiculously long terms and really pathetic money. And that's why we're in the situation we are. Young guys are the future of the team. Old guys, the past. <laughs> Grumpy old man. Again, I think with this one, it's it's unfortunate. We did go ahead and sign. I think it was it, this even dates back to two all seasons ago. And again, I think if the Islanders didn't sign Mac after they missed out on Panarin, if they didn't sign back a guy like Anders Lee, I think you would have seen a immediate knee-jerk reaction from the fan base. Oh my gosh, we lost a guy who was uh, – hold on. I know you're shaking your head, Grumpy, but I'm just telling you, this is how the fan base would have reacted. Oh my gosh, we lost a guy who was a top six forward for us. We didn't get Panarin. What? Oh, what shall we do? Whatever shall we do? And uh, it definitely would have been a knee-jerk reaction from the fan base. So I think that's why he reacted and he made sure he did anything he can to sign back Andrews Lee to that long contract with a lot of cap attached to it. Um, we got here another comment here from Tom White saying, Nelson needs to see the game from above for a night. It might make things click for him. I don't disagree. He's not been great so far this year. He, Like I said, he's been the guy who's benefited the most for playing Trotz, but right now he's playing like he did before Trotz got here, which was always my issue with him. Soft, stupid, not real good. <laughs> gold. He'll, get, he'll get your 20 goals, but, you know, when they don't mean anything. That was the Brock Nelson of old. He hasn't been like that the last two years. I want to go back on the other thing just to touch on it real quick, um, where you were talking about uh, a couple of years ago with uh, – uh, Yes, Grumpy. Go ahead. I'm sorry, TJ. Yes, Grumpy. You were ta- I was talking about the cap mismanagement a couple of years ago. Right. I mean – you know, that's, uh, well, we'll ju- you know, we've talked about that enough. Just move on. I know okay, it's getting Grumpy. I know, Grumpy. It's, uh, yeah, uh, we got here. I want to bring this one up here. It says, guys like Nelson, Lee, Bavillier, Bailey, and Everly are second liners, not first liners. And they're also not the bottom six forwards. It's like it's in that weird in between where we don't have enough of that top elite end talent that fill out a you know a first line, but we have a lot of guys who could be second liners and successful second liners, and a lot of guys who are bottom six forwards. I would like to see as a second line, honestly, Nelson, Lee, and Bailey. I think they play well together. They're all useless, and I can focus my hate on one line. Um, Eberle has slowed down this year. Um, Bavillier has had a history with uh, Barzal in the past. I'd want to go back to that just to see. I mean, right now the second line is just invisible. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I tell you. And again, like I think Bavillier not being there and being able to drive the line has definitely hurt that. Him being obviously able to skate, hopefully being integrated back in the lineup will help that. But even at the beginning of the season, again, it wasn't clicking for the second line yet. You have to hope as soon as he gets back, he's healthy, that it starts clicking for him again because we need the production out of that second line. Uh, we have a comment here from Tommy Baffy also saying, I did not want I did not want us to sign Everly back. Uh, Lee and Nelson, yes, I did. Uh, but Everly, I would rather use the money elsewhere, like a guy on Hoffman or Hall. Well, Hoffman or Hall weren't free agents till this past offseason, uh, so that wouldn't have worked. Uh, now to get back to the other point, when you say that the fans would have had a knee-jerk reaction to letting Lee go, well, you know something? You're here to make the team better. You're not here to pacify the fans. I mean, when you – it, you know, so you're putting him in the Garth Snow category then because that was the knee-jerk reaction when we lost Kyle Ocposo and Franz Nielsen to sign 
Andrew Ladd. I mean, so you're looking at the same thing just with another generation. And to me, if the guy wasn't worth it, I would offer to leave. If you want to stay here, I'm going to give you a four-year contract at $5 million per. Take it or leave it. I mean, they overpaid for him. They didn't need to. If he didn't want to be here, move on. The same thing with Matt Martin this year. You're going to get vet minimum for one year. If you get a better deal somewhere else, see you later. You don't overpay for those guys. I don't care what you've done in the past. It's what you can do in the future. That's all I care about. And that's what any GM should care about. Mm-hmm. Grumpy old man. Uh, Michael also saying, Grumpy, as far as long-term injury goes, I think ownership refuses to just pay out these contracts for players that won't do anything and it won't be part of the actual organization. Well, I don't think these guys are like the ownership groups that we've had in the past. I don't think that that I, – I can't speak positively on that, but I don't think that would stop them from making that move. I just think Lamarillo uh, doesn't want to take a chance. He always wants to take as much time as possible, and that's why you have to move Devontae's for two second-round draft picks because you're not smart enough to know that Boychuk was going to go long-term injury and Andrew Ladd should be on long-term injury. Then you could have signed all those guys back, including Taves, and then move a Nick Letty. If you want to dump somebody for a second-round draft pick or a third-round draft pick, I'd much rather you move Nick Letty with his diminishing returns. Grumpy old man. And uh, Tommy Baffy says, the New York Rangers have plenty of skill. How are they doing? I'll tell you one thing. I know we haven't talked about this on the podcast. Man, oh, man, what a freaking circus it is <laughs> for the Rangers with uh, with D'Angelo and everything that's going on there. Man, oh, man, you want to talk about a cancer in the locker room. Yikes. I think their coach – I don't like their coach. He's a college guy, isn't he? A college coach. I don't even. I I've forgotten his name, so he can't be any good. Um, they need a different coach there. I mean, they do have talent. Their defense is not very good. Anytime you're playing a rookie on your first pair, who's not named Bobby Orr or Dennis Potvin, uh, you're going to be struggling. And I think that's the case with Miller this year. I think he's going to be a good defenseman, but they're hurting defensively right now. Grumpy uh, Dave Dave Quinn. Is the coach Dave Quinn? That's right. Yeah, and I think he coached it. Who cares, Bill? <laughs> no, who Boston, cares? Yeah. Boston University, aka who cares, Bill? From I mean, Romeo. yeah, Boston University is a good college program, but it's a college program. It's the pros. Mm-hmm. Grumpy, grumpy old man. Um, grumpy. I know we have a lot of comments here. Okay. Um, well, here. Say you are doing your job then. Grumpy, you're talking. You're talking. We've got a lot to talk about. And there's a lot of things rolling in, Grumpy old man. I know my. This is usually uh, usually wrapped up in an hour and fifteen. Uh, sorry, it's taking so long, Grumpy. I'm willing to answer every question. I don't care. <laughs> oh, we got one here too. Hold before we jump to Tommy's. Eyes uh, on Alice has a hundred trade rumors, and they've all been wrong. They stink. Oh, They're no. fun to read, though. They're fun to read. They're usually wrong. I know Johnny Gaudreau. All these guys. That's right. On page six on New York Post, <laughs> National Enquirer. They are what they are. Mm-hmm. And you blasted oh. through one that was up there previously. Oh, uh, no, I'm a bounce back to you, Grumpy. Don't worry about it. Tom White also says this is again. I'm just trying to make sure I hit everything in line here. Uh, Trotz is coaching with what he's given. Uh, same makeup in Nashville is what he has here. Washington was loaded with skill. Uh, just had to teach him how to play the other side of the puck. And it took him five years to do that. So <laughs> he got a cup, though. He got a cup. And I don't, I don't begrudge him. I say he's a good coach. I just think he's, if everyone thinks he's the be all end all of coaches, he's not. There are other coaches better than him. Here you go. TJ and Grump, I have a question, a non-Islanders related question. It's funny. We didn't, I didn't look at this ahead of time. Uh, your thoughts on D'Angelo and what it will take for the Rangers to trade him. Man, oh man, I'll tell you. They're ready to give him away right now. They said he's never going to play for them again. So, I mean, when you say stupid things like that, what do you think his value is on the open market? Not much. 
<laughs> I'll tell you, it's unfortunate too because I, that's a guy who needs to kind of get his priorities straight. I mean, like he can't be a cancer in the locker room, and I, I guarantee you, it's not like that was just the initial incident. There has to have been something else. And again, this has not just been something that happened overnight. Uh, Jerry chiming in saying, "Have you guys seen uh, Don Cherry's YouTube video where he says that Josh Hosang has more is more talented than McDavid?" Uh, I've seen I've seen Don Cherry speak very very highly of uh, Hosang back during the time period when he was going to get drafted. I know he definitely thought he did have an immense amount of talent. I have seen a video similar to that. I don't know if he ever said he's better than McDavid. If he said that, he's mistaken. But I'm going to tell you what, Josh Hosang could have played for Al Arbor. He just can't play for this group. <sighs> Al, Arbor, Al Arbor would have found a guy with skill, and he would have got him on the ice. Absolutely. Best players play. That's not the case here. Uh, Tommy also saying, Letty on a cheap deal as a third-pair defenseman for two years, I'm fine with. Absolutely not. Don't need him anymore. He's a third-pair defenseman now. Why would you want to sign him in another two years? Absolutely not. Done with him. <laughs> uh, Scott also chiming in and said, "Can't get rid of Pulak. Uh, I don't want to have to get another. Jer- I don't want to have to get another jersey. Uh, only have uh, only have had my uh, home Pulak jersey since April. <laughs> you get yourself a grumpy old man jersey. They're hot sellers. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sure he's wearing the grumpy old man jersey. Oh gosh, grumpy. Number one. <laughs> With a ball. <laughs> oh grumpy old man uh grump i think we have just that about wraps everything oh here we go oh goodness i know this is gonna make you happy sal says grumpy should take over the general manager role he seems to understand what Wu does not uh you can't keep throwing money at years at aging mediocre talent once again sal very in- very intelligent sal portelli i like him That's sal a- sal if you compliment the grumpy old man too much he won't be able to fit his head through the door to get to the bathroom and leave the house and i just want to tell you something he's got a very cute child in the picture with him i love it i love the hat too <laughs> oh grumpy old man I, honestly it's just common sense it's common sense sometimes you lose it like I said lose 78 years old i mean he was a gr- he was a great gm 20 years ago he was just not anymore Tommy, and this will be the last comment. Grumpy old man says, "Scott, get yourself a Martin jersey. He's going to be here for a while." LOL. Uh-huh. Very good. Love it. Love okay. it. Okay. Oh, hi, Chris. Here we got one more. I'm sorry. Uh, Mr. Holy crap! He calls you Mr. Grumpy. You do not have to call him Mr. Grumpy. Just say Grumpy, old man, something like that. My last question: You said age is what counts. Look at Brady. If someone is 40 years old can do that, why not here? Uh, Hockey, hockey is just a little bit, a little bit of a different sport. And I'll tell you one thing: Tom Brady is the uh, ageless wonder. He's uh, a unicorn. He's a unicorn. He is. He is the exception to every rule. Greatest, <laughs> greatest quarterback ever. I was going to wear my Brady gear, but you know what? I didn't want to. I believe I would jinx him if I did wear it. But I'm going to tell you what: if he wins the Super Bowl next Wednesday's podcast, I'm definitely breaking out the Brady gear. Oh, God. I'll tell you, he wears more non-Islanders-related paraphernalia than anything else. And it's funny because we had the Islanders podcast. Uh, Grump, I guess this is also time to mention, we will not have a live stream after Saturday's game against the Pittsburgh Penguins. Because I know Grumpy, hold on. I thought I filled you in on this. Maybe I didn't. I'm sorry if I didn't, Grumpy old man. Uh, I'm going to – I'll be at a wedding, Grumpy old man. And I told – you know, I've got – I got Paige. Uh, she hasn't jumped on with Paige's word or a stump the grump for a while, so she's been dropping the ball. Um, but, yeah, so I told Paige, I said, I'm going to have to be able to watch the Islanders game in some capacity. Um, I don't know if we'll be able to do a live stream, Grumpy. 
we might be able to do is we'll probably have to pre-record or maybe we'll record there on a Friday or something. I don't know. We'll play it by ear and we'll make sure we post it to let everybody know. Okay. Uh, man. All right. I, I honestly, I wish we would have saved some of these questions for Friday. Then <laughs> I'm ready to go right now. I'm fired up. I was about to say, Grumpy, you see me drink out of this chalice. I mean, two hours in, Grumpy, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I always have to – I've always – you know, I've got to use the restroom as soon as we get done with the podcast, uh, Grumpy old man. But uh, is there anything else you want to say? We're about an hour and 55 in, Grump, the longest yeah. podcast we've had to date. Any, anything you want to say, Grumpy old man? No, I mean, I just love talking Islanders hockey. I know I can come off sounding kind of negative, but it's only because I want them to be winners. A lot of the people who I just see the pictures of the people's faces, they've never known an Islander winning team. So, you know, maybe they're happy. Just, hey, we make the playoffs. That's great. I mean, I mean, I can understand that. I mean, the Islanders have been a loser franchise for a long time. I'm just striving for something greater. <laughs> I don't disagree, Grumpy. And I tell you, man, the character Grumpy Old Man plays. Some people, uh, you can tell the new people, they they get a little bit, uh, they get they throw their hands up. They don't, they've never seen a Grumpy Old Man. And I feel like those are people who've never lived in New York either. <laughs> hey, I you know I don't live in New York any longer, but that's where I was born and raised. Uh, yeah, Grumpy Old Man. Well, thank you for being a part of the podcast as always, Grumpy Old Man. My pleasure. And thank you so much, everybody, for who's here on the live stream again. We love being able to talk with all the, the listeners there of the podcast in the live stream. Uh, Grumpy Old Man and I do very much so appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Grumpy Old Man, once more. Thank you. Okay.